Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast. Today, we're talking Lapis Labyrinth, Persona Q2, Paper Mario, and Canadian poetry? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Region Free Gamers Podcast, the podcast that's fluent in gaming. My name's Paul, and I'll be your host for today's show. And uh, it's a very unexpected show. Uh, originally, we were going to be talking about NBA Jam and other games of that style, but unfortunately, Ozzy had to call in sick. So my only guest host is Rhode Island's finest gaming podcaster by way of Puerto Rico, Arnaldo. That's a very low bar, and I'm glad that I've, I've cleared it. Oh, dude, you went right over it. <laughs> Fosbury flopped right over that thing. Do you know um, what the Fosbury flop is? No, but it sounds oh, hilarious. It's the uh, it's the it's the weird looking technique that Olympic high jumpers use to clear the bar. Oh, okay. Yeah, they used to they used to like run at the bar and then mm-hmm. just kind of jump head first, like yeah. they're diving into a pool, and somehow managed to invent a more ridiculous way of looking. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know some dude named like, I don't know, John Fosbury or Greg mm-hmm. Fosbury or whatever. And uh, yeah, nice alliteration there, the Fosbury flop. So yeah, for sure. You, you, you flopped your way onto this show, my friend. I absolutely did. It's it's the greatest <laughs> flop of my career if I if I could be so if I could be so blunt. And uh, hey, everyone, as always, if you enjoy the show, please tell one of your friends. Uh, we all have friends who are looking for new podcasts to listen to. I'm always looking for new podcasts to listen to. So if you're talking to one of your friends about podcasts, say, hey, I know these guys. One of them can't even be bothered to show up for, <laughs> for his show. <laughs> and uh, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review on the Apple Podcasts app. Five stars. Yeah. And uh, if you've left one already, then thanks so much. And uh, if you haven't, we're really looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Yeah. And, and let me just add, it's not limited to just your friends. For example, if you hate the show, you can share it with your enemies as well. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll take the hate listen. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Also, I have a dog. I'll tell my dog about the show. Uh, no. You should. Well, I, I hope that we have just as many pet listeners as we do human listeners. That would really make me happy. Dude, you get nothing but five stars from dogs. Absolutely. Like, they're always like, yeah, buddy, great show. (laughs) But then you got to balance it out with the cat listeners who are like three stars average. Yeah, on average. (laughs) You'll never get higher than a four, I don't think, from a cat. (laughs) Such such judgment. Um, Um, Let me ask you this, Paul. Go ahead, ask me, me, Let me ask you a quick question. Because we were going to originally talk sports, and we are now... How 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 far are we? I think we're like three days removed from the Toronto Raptors winning the NBA championship. Um, and I wanted to ask you this because I've been cursed with, and I say cursed in air quotes, with having family from New England. And so I'm forced to cheer for sports teams that, that win. Um, how sad for you. I know. It really is. But the, the, <laughs> the flip side of that coin is that generally everybody hates us. Um, so I have not known what it's like to cheer for, I, I want to say like the feel good team, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the, like the, the team that sort of 
going up against the mega powerhouse. And, you know, I was, I was rooting for the Raptors, um, throughout the NBA playoffs. And I just wanted to know, like, now that they've finally won first time, you know, in franchise history, first time the, uh, NBA championship is going to somebody outside of the United States, um, considering they're the only team outside of the United States, it makes it even more impressive. Like, how do you feel? I don't even know what to do with myself, man. <laughs> I, I don't like, I don't even know. So like the other night, I was at a buddy's place watching. Okay, mm-hmm. so let me rewind here. For game five, which was held in Toronto. Yeah. For game five, I low-key kind of expected they would win. Right. Okay. They had all the momentum. So I went to I went to the local bar here and we watched game five and it was a great experience, right? Mm-hmm. The problem though is that the Raptors lost <laughs> um this game that they were expected to win. Yeah. But the game the game itself was a classic, like drama oh, yeah. from beginning to end. Um and for game six, they were going to be playing in Oakland at Oracle. And I'm like, no fucking way the Raptors are winning, are winning this one, right? Yeah. So instead of going to the bar where I would be miserable with many people, mm-hmm. I just went to my buddy's place so we could be miserable in private, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and my wife was there and, you know, we had lots of food and the whole thing, right? Yeah. And so we reached the point in the game where there was 0.9 seconds left. And the Raptors were inbounding the ball. And there was no way they could lose. It was wrapped up. Like, it was over, right? For sure. And my buddy and his family, they were celebrating. Yeah, you know, awesome, blah, blah. Dude, Christy and I, my wife, we were sitting there (laughs) fucking stone-faced. Stone-faced. And my buddy's like, why aren't you guys celebrating? I'm like, you don't understand, dude. This is a Toronto sports team. (laughs) We have grown up with nothing but the most crushing sports losses possible. Yeah. Even with 0.9 seconds, it is possible for the Toronto team to find a way to lose. I will not celebrate until it is dead certain. Yeah. And then they had that stupid referee reviewing thing yep. going on for like an... Oh my lord, that's Almost as if to taunt you for like five minutes exactly and that's and that's what it was right because they knew that they knew the toronto fans weren't really celebrating yet because we knew better yeah um yeah it was uh it was horrible but then afterwards (laughs) they won and like i i man i devoured every piece of media that i possibly could whether it was like the post-game press conferences the the views from the locker room blogs twitter articles i i just read everything or watched everything that i possibly could just because it felt so good like it was all it was almost like i needed confirmation that it was real yeah and you're not the it's funny you're not the only person from canada who i've heard say something to that effect of just like i had to make sure that you know i wasn't dreaming or you know i couldn't believe it actually happened yeah yeah Um, and i think you know there is something to be said, like, even if you're not a big sports person, and I, I don't want to make assumptions, but I would think that a lot of the people that listen to the show are not necessarily huge into sports, but there's something to be said about the sort of hype and the ambiance that goes around, like, your city making a push like that, where you yeah. just sort of get swept up into that emotion. It's 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 honestly a really cool experience you know, to sort of be in that environment and just feel that sort of energy for a while. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting because like if you take a step back, mm-hmm. 
You're watching dudes bounce a ball <laughs> and then throw it into a hoop. Correct. How can that possibly have the level of importance and coverage that it does, right? It is a completely meaningless thing that's happening, except that these sports become a focal point for a community to come together and find something common to cheer for. And in that way, it performs a very important civic function, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's weird, dude. Like, it's a complete, like, soccer or football, whatever you want to call it, wherever you're from. Yeah. It should be football. You guys, you Americans have, like, completely ruined that with your with your American football <laughs> where you don't actually kick it except for, you know, a few times a game. Correct. But anyway. For the parts so, that like, matter the least, we kick yeah, it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so international football, like, it is literally people running around kicking a sphere on grass like it is just the most you know yeah meaningless thing but it 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 brings a lot of people together and if a lot of like if enough people say this is important Mm -hmm. then it is by definition important yeah that's just that's just how it goes so yeah anyway yeah big win for the raps i'm i'm super thrilled feel good uh, moment um it was you know, it was it was just cool to see something like that, especially because when you really think about it outside of the context of just being, you know, like you said, just really good games. It's a historic moment like you witnessed history in the making, not only yeah, in sure. in the franchise's first victory, but, you know, in the victory of a team outside of the United States, everything that they had to go through, you know, to get to that point, like the Raptors, I think. In, in what I think happens very little, they had simultaneously the most interesting slash entertaining run to the championship and also won the championship. I think a lot of times you see like a team sort of gut and struggle, you know, through a bunch of series to get to that point only to come up short. I think very rarely you see that whole run where like the team that had the most difficult path and the most entertaining path sort of ultimately come out on top. Yeah. It's not the, it's not the most common situation and it's a very, it was a very unexpected win. It's very rare, especially in the NBA, which is very top heavy with talent. Yeah. It's very rare to see the unexpected team win. Like Mm -hmm. we've basically got like the 2011 Mavs and the 2004 Pistons. And like, that's it. Every other team that's won, other years has been a team that everybody expected so it it reminds me of the premier league although Mm -hmm. like the english premier league football like when leicester city won a couple years ago i mean that has to be the biggest shocker in sports history yeah and uh and you know the raptors while not leicester city still very unexpected and there's something there's something special about that when you know just something weird happens and in this case it was the toronto raptors so you know, good on them. Yeah. Um, and I mean, not, not, this is not to say that, you know, people on other teams are undeserving or, you know, like, I'm not trying to imply anything negative with this, but also there's just a collection of people on that team that I'm happy to see win a championship. You know what I mean? Like Jeremy Lin is on the Toronto Raptors and is now a, a NBA champion, which just makes me happy. Oh, dude, every, every <laughs> Asian on the internet was very happy to tell me. That Jeremy Lin was <laughs> is an NBA champion. Exactly. I have, a, like, I have a buddy uh, in hmm? I have a buddy in Toronto who's a comedian. Yeah. And uh, and he's an Asian dude. And like 
what two seconds after they won he was immediately <laughs> on facebook jeremy lynn <laughs> which is great i, like, I mean yeah, he probably buddy. played like 15 minutes in the entirety of the finals or something but yeah, i know it's just hilarious it's, and it's, it's great. great yeah um, i mean look these guys who don't see that much of the floor they show up to practice every day yeah right they they play against the a team and they are integral members of the team even if they're playing garbage minutes yep they're still integral. So, hey, good for Jeremy Lin, man. I'm yeah. sure... Uh, I'm not going to say he didn't contribute anything. I'm sure he contributed something. Yeah. But anyway, we got we to gotta get off the Raptors. We've we done will. Um, or else we're just not going to shut up about it. But I, that is true. <laughs> um, so to close things out, I did prepare something for you, Paul. So if you'd allow me... Oh, um, of course. I would like to read an, an excerpt uh, from a lauded Canadian poet um, that I believe is very fitting for this Raptors win. Uh, the poet's name is Aubrey Graham... Uh, though he's often he's often known by his pen name Jimmy Brooks, um, so yeah, this man. is this is a, a quick reading. It says, "Yeah, boys tell stories about the man. Say I never struggled, wasn't hungry. Yeah, I doubt it. I could turn your boy into the man. There ain't really much out here that pop enough without us. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Started from the bottom, now my whole team's fucking here." Yeah, man. I wear every <laughs> single chain, even when I'm in, in the, the house. house. <laughs> that was, uh, I thought that was fitting for, for this team. So that's how I want to close out this segment. I was originally <laughs> planning that for the episode, but I was like, I, I still have to do it. Sure. Well, you can do it. You can do it again or find a different, uh, or find a different song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Ozzy would appreciate it as much as you have. No, I mean, <laughs> I think he would appreciate it enough, though. Yeah. Um. But no. So tell us, Paul, what is it that we're actually going to be talking about this episode? I know, right? This I, I should have mentioned it right at the top of the show so people aren't left hanging. <laughs> Although we'll, we'll put it in the episode title. So, I mean, like, yeah. if you can't read the title when you're downloading the podcast, you know, hey, at least you're being surprised and everybody loves surprises. Um. But yeah, since Ozzy's not here today, you and I, we were just like, fuck it. Let's uh, let's just do a show and talk about what we've been playing lately. Yeah, and uh, we've also got E three, right? We yeah. uh, last year we did an episode on E three that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this year we decided not to just because of scheduling. Yeah, it didn't. We had a lot of stuff going on around the time of E three. Uh, so, like the Genesis Mini, for example, like we don't do very many like current topics. So we had either the Genesis Mini or E3. Because if we released the E3 episode, it would have been like over a month after. And by then it's stale, right? Yeah. So, you know, we've got the Genesis Mini episode uh, that we just released, uh, you know, shortly after the Mini. And that was the one we chose to go with because Mm -hmm. we just love talking Genesis Mega Drive. (laughs) We do. Honestly. And I think it it caps off a little trilogy of Sega focused episodes that we had because we had fantasy star then we did technosoft um and now we're doing the genesis mini so i think that's a little sort of package that people will enjoy yeah we have no sense of pace do we because like not. no last year it was all <laughs> it was all sony nintendo sony nintendo yep and uh we weren't even like we weren't even actively thinking like hey we really need to do a sega episode it was just kind of like Hey, I want to talk about Fantasy Star. Hey, I want to talk about Technosoft. Hey, the yeah. Genesis Mini's coming out. And then bang, 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 you've got this Sega-centric two months that came along yeah. that I 
personally had a ton of fun with. But I, I had a blast with it. And and for people who are listening, um, new and old, I think to get a peek behind the curtain, we've we've said this before. I think that people sometimes think that there is like a very organized method to this madness. And I'm not saying there isn't like we do, you know, do work for these episodes, but in terms of deciding what we're going to talk about, it's very much like, what do you feel like talking about this week? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll like, yeah, we'll come up with, we'll come up with ideas maybe like a month in advance or six weeks in advance. Yeah. But with that said, there are almost as many episodes where we just come up with something the week before. Yeah. And, uh, and we do a bunch of research for it or, like today, you know, we're just going to like, we're just going to riff, right? Yeah. Um, which is also a lot of fun, which we should probably get to, I'm thinking. I, uh, I agree. Arnie, Arnie, tell me, what have you been playing lately? Um, So it's been basically this one giant thing, but I do have a couple other things I want to talk about. But I very recently finished uh, Super Paper Mario, the thousand, I mean, sorry, Paper Mario, the thousand year door. Um, which is the sequel to the original Paper Mario on the N64. This one's on the GameCube. This is one... So the story of how I sort of did this was I've been wanting to play this game forever because I had played the original Paper Mario when I was younger, and then when I got a little bit older and I got into collecting, I reacquired it, and I beat it, and I loved it. Like, Paper Mario, to me, is probably... I mean, undoubtedly top five Nintendo 64 games. It's probably okay. my favorite N64 game, period. Wow. Um, yeah, it's just, it was very much like, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because there are, there is some depth to that game, but I feel like if you're, if you're young and you want to get into RPGs, like that's a good starting point, I think, because it's not, like combat wise and mechanics wise there is some tinkering to be done but there's not it doesn't get overwhelming you know it's not like you have to deal with equipment and magic and you know stat boosting and all that stuff it's very straightforward like when you level up you pick one of three things you want to boost either your health your mp or your badge points and then you can equip up like depending on how many badge points you have you can equip badges that do different things but they don't really mess with stats because there are no stats outside of you know health and magic um they just let you do like different moves um or give you different advantages in battle and stuff like that um so it's very it's very laid out for people and So I'd always wanted to play Thousand Year Door because everybody always said, like, that's the best game in the series. It's better than the original. And, you know, it's funny. The writing is great. It's a nice, like, compact sort of RPG experience. But I had never been able to find it for, like, a reasonable price. And the more I waited, like a lot of people, the more expensive video games got. Yeah. So I was just like, man, you know, I've never been able to find this. And I can't remember exactly how this happened, but I, friend of the podcast and all around good guy, uh, Mr. Game and Brews actually reached out to me on Instagram and he told me, you know, I have a copy of it. Do you want me to mail it to you so you can play it? Like just lend it to you. Holy shit, dude. I actually, I, sorry to interrupt, but. Because I, I saw that you mentioned this on Instagram, mm. and I thought he just lived in your town or something. No, no, no. He lives. He doesn't live super far from where I am. It's like a few hours. Um, yeah. But he was like, you know, if you want, I'll I'll just mail it to you for you to play. And I was like, 
whoa, like if you'd be willing to do that, like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. Like I'll pay the return shipping on it. Like if you want me to pay your shipping to mail it to me, like I can do that. And he was like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Just mail it back to me when you're done. Um, so he did like immediately afterwards, he mailed it to me. I got it. I played, I played the hell out of it. Um, and I loved it. You know, it was, it was really good. And now I'm sort of stuck and I want to know if this has ever happened to you, but I'm sort of stuck now because I, I played the game and I really, really enjoyed it, but I can't decide if I like it more than the original. And my problem now is I'm like, do I like, do I think I like it more because people have hyped it up so much and I think like I should like it more or do I just genuinely think it's a better game? I'll tell you this much. If it was a shitty game, you'd know. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's no amount of hype that can keep you from being like, Ooh, this is not <laughs> good like at all. Yeah. Right? Like, and, and that's happened to me, right? Like I've had people recommend a game and then I get it and I'm like, yikes. Yeah. So um, if it was if it was not good, you'd know. As far as whether it's better than you think it is or you think it's better than it is because of the amount of hype. You know what, man? The way I look at it is if the game lives up to the hype, then that just makes it even better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. when when a game gets really hyped up like that and you play it, there is a certain expectation and it's easy to become disappointed. Well, that's so what I was do... kind of expecting. You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. So... You know, conversely, it's also awesome when you get a game that you've never heard of and it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like <laughs> yeah. those, those pleasant surprises are top of the food chain as far as gaming experiences go, mm. as far as I'm concerned. But there is something to be said for being hyped for a game, getting it, and then it being even better than you expected. That yeah. like, I think, I, I don't think there's anything, if that's what's happened with you, I think that's fine. I think it's actually that good. Yeah. I mean, and, and, to your point, like that's what I was concerned about when I first got it was, you know, it's been hyped up so much. People have been saying like, it's amazing. It's incredible. It's one of the best like GameCube games. Um, and so when I was playing it, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to enjoy it, but I think ultimately I'm going to be a little disappointed because like you said, like sometimes people hype things up to a level where it's just impossible not to be a little disappointed because mm-hmm. when you exp- when somebody tells you like this is one of the greatest blah 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 game whatever superlatives you want to use to make it seem like this game is going to be great if it's ultimately you play it and it's not life changing then it's going to be a little disappointing and i think the risk is greater when you're going back to play older games because oh, subconsciously yeah. Oh, yeah. you're comparing them to newer games like regardless yeah. of whether you think you are or not i think it's natural to think, you know, I've seen this before. Like, the novelty of seeing something for the first time isn't there if you've already played something that came after that does it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. ultimately, I would say this is a really good game. Uh, ob- if I'm trying to be objective, like, mechanically and story-wise, I would say, yeah, this is this is the best Paper Mario game I've played so far. Um, it definitely lives up to the hype. And I think... Even if you're not a huge RPG person, you can really enjoy this game. Because like I said, the RPG mechanics overall are pretty light. Like, obviously, I keep saying obviously, I hate that. Um, (laughs) I do that all the time. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna compile a supercut of I, you saying obviously oh followed by the statement, <laughs> and it's it's going to be like ten it's, minutes long. It's, it's gonna, gonna be, be longer than an episode. <laughs> but uh, 
What I was going to say is the RPG elements are fairly light, so there's nothing that you really need to commit to in terms of sort of customizing badges and characters and whatnot. You can play this game pretty straightforward and not really run into too much trouble. Um, but it also has, you know, little quirks. Like it has the timing system that's big with Paper Mario and the Mario and Luigi uh, series where your attacks have timing things where if you execute them right, you do extra damage or you get to do cool things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the the thing that really holds this entire thing up is the story. Like if you're playing it, it's probably going to be for the story. The characters are super endearing. Um and the story overall is just really funny. Like, the writing in this game is really good, what I found. And it's it's weird because I generally don't... Like, when video game stuff is funny, quote-unquote, I don't really find it that funny. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, it's, it's not often, like... It's often shoehorned in. Yeah. And it's, it's trying to be funny. Uh, I get it, man. I mean, look, it's like, it's like regular comedy on TV, right? There are some comedy shows where you're like, what are these people doing? <laughs> you know, I, I get it. Nobody can bat a thousand. Yeah. That's cool. But, but this game overall, I thought had some really, <laughs> some really witty dialogue and some really like fun character moments that make it just a really fun experience for anybody to play. Like whether you're into RPGs, whether you are in, I feel like you either have to be into RPGs or you have to be into Mario. Like one of those things has to kind of hook you. But yeah. if you're into one or the other, like this is one of the better games you can play by far. Yeah. No, that's that's good to know. Like, is it comparable? Because I've never played a Paper Mario game. Mm-hmm. Is it comparable to I, I heard you mention the Mario and Luigi series uh, yeah. on the DS and the 3DS. Mm. Is is it comparable to that? Because I've um, played I've played Mario and Luigi uh Bowser's Inside Story. Yes. Not for long. Like the 3DS that I got, I got it used, and it mm. had that game built in. Oh, nice. So I was just like, oh, what's this about? And then I loaded it up and played it for about 45 minutes. Yeah. Um, Do you know if it's comparable? It It is, in the sense that... So this is getting into a little bit of background. Um, and w- the other thing I was going to say is this is an intelligent systems game series. So I'm sure that you and me will sit down at one point and make a really rambling episode about it. Oh, um, my ears just perked right up when you said intelligent systems. Yeah. Um, but so the basically from what I understand is that when they made Super Mario RPG, they wanted to do a follow up. And originally the original working title for Paper Mario on the N64 was Super Mario RPG 2. Um, but it came out as Paper Mario and there was sort of a splinter where from Super Mario RPG originated Paper Mario and the Mario and Luigi series. So those are two divergent series that sort of come from the same well. So there are similarities, like the battle mechanic stuff with the timing and everything, that's the same. The big difference, I think, is that in the Mario and Luigi games, you only play as Mario and Luigi. In Paper Mario, Mario usually has a group of sidekicks, and you can choose which one you want to have in battle and they each have like their own unique moves and you know abilities and you can also use those abilities outside of combat to like solve puzzles and things like that um okay so it's i would say of the two personally i find mario and luigi to be a little bit heavier on the rpg elements because like you can equip like 
weapons and items and uh, armor to Mario and Luigi, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, whereas in this one, it's just like one thing that lets you customize like abilities and loadouts and stuff like that. So okay. I would say they're they're comparable in my mind, but Mario and Luigi is a little bit more technical. Okay, that's that's good to know. Yeah, that's actually almost what I wanted to hear, really, because <laughs> I've because I have Bowser's Inside Story. Yeah, and I would like to play it eventually because it's like you said the. For the 45 minutes that I played, it was absolutely charming. Yeah. Like, absolutely charming. The writing was very whimsical. It just felt very... It was very lighthearted. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It was like it was like sitting down for lunch and having a delicious salad, <laughs> you know, instead of like... Like a you know, greasy, a greasy Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you don't expect the salad to be that good, mm-hmm. and it is, and it's just kind of light, and it's nice, and... Yeah. I don't know what compelled me to compare a video game to food, but here we are. <laughs> well, I've also played uh, Bowser's Inside Story, and I really enjoyed it. That I think has been yeah. my favorite of the paper of the um, Mario and Luigi's I've played. Cool. Um, the, so that um, one's also really good. And in Paper Mario, you said there are sidekicks. Is it yes. like is it like Toad and no. other people that we know, or no, is it they're all original characters? Oh. Um, for each game. Uh, See, that it, that can be good and bad, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and they do a good job of sort of building up the characters. Like, you get to see their, inter- like, things they do and say, and they get personalities. Um, yeah. So, like, you know, they're not necessarily just stock generic characters that you slide in and out of your party. Though you will, you'll, you'll have favorites. Like, you'll have ones that you use more than other ones, for sure. Um, but the game is good about sort of not like kind of forcing you to use them in certain situations like some uh partner abilities are just better against specific types of enemies than others are like some partners can't hit enemies that are up in the air some partners can't um like don't have attacks that hit all enemies unless you upgrade them or something like that so depending on the battles that you're in you'll find different uses for different partners yeah yeah Oh, that's dude. That sounds that sounds really good. Yeah. I actually I actually just stumbled into Paper Mario for the GameCube myself. I know. And yeah, I I was like, it's, <laughs> it was one of the. I got a few games. I told you about it earlier. Yeah. And uh, and Paper Mario happened to be one of them, and it was probably the one you know top three that I was most hyped for because I'd yeah. never you know I'd never tried it before, and anything you haven't tried before, and it gets kind of. You know, it gets hyped and you want to play it because it's a new experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it and that it's kind of like, you know, light and fun. I find now that as I'm getting older, you know, I just mostly I just kind of want to play stuff that's light and yeah. fun and, you know, challenging. I, I do like my challenges, mm-hmm. but like, you know, there there's a time there's a time for Solid Snake. Yeah. And uh I I desired more of that when I was younger and now it's just like I just want cartoons and shit, you know. <laughs> yeah. And probably like now that you've mentioned like you're thinking about playing it, it as an important factor to you, my playthrough clocked in at like 38 hours and I wasted a a good amount of time just like wandering and trying to find stuff. Ooh, so I love hearing that. It's a pretty lean rpg like time wise there's a little bit of challenge like in the boss fights and stuff like that but if you're an experienced rpg player um 
there shouldn't be anything that causes you like too too much trouble uh but yeah it's it's a pretty lean experience so it's not like you're not committing to a hundred hour rpg with with any of the paper mario or mario and luigi games usually i think about 30 to 40 hours is is normal yeah no that sounds uh that sounds like it's right up my alley i'm i'm looking forward to it uh but before tell you what before we get to your next game mm-hmm. uh, let's take a quick break because we've been about half an hour yeah and uh when we come back uh you'll tell me what else you've been playing and then we'll get to me Sweet. and we'll go from there sounds good Start it. started from the bottom now we're here started from the bottom now my whole team fucking here started from the bottom now we're here i wear every single chain even when i'm in the house because we started from the bottom now we're here Started from the bottom, now my whole team fucking here. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Alright, and we're back. Uh, so Arnie, uh, besides Paper Mario, what else have you been playing? Well, I've been playing two other things, um, and they're pretty quick hits. The first, I, I just want to mention, because I haven't really been able to dig into it because I've been playing Paper Mario, but I wouldn't be me if I didn't talk about Persona Q2. Oh, yeah. Um, awesome. I haven't opened mine yet. Oh, my God. But, uh, I, yeah, I've please tell me. I've barely played it. Like, I don't think I don't think I even have an hour into it, um, so there won't be a lot to talk about, but... I, I we we gotta mention it um sure it came out fairly recently i caved like five days before release and got the the collector's edition i can't believe you waited that long it's, it's the only it's the <laughs> well here's the thing is i was con- i convinced myself i was like i'm not gonna do it because i i don't have the money right now um or not that i didn't have the money but i was like i don't want to spend the money right now yeah. you know i'll be able to find it later blah blah, blah. and then the closer it got and the more people were talking about it, the more hyped I got. And, you know, in reality, I was just like, this is going to be one of the last games that's going to come out for the 3DS, at least like a major release, not like a limited yeah. run thing or something like that. And it's going to be a Persona game. You know that print's going to be low. It's going to be a pain in the ass to find this later on there down was, the road. There was no way you were ever going to find this yeah. for cheaper or at MSRP. Yeah, absolutely. Like it would have it would have been, you know, resellers on eBay or or whatever. Yeah. And like I I say that and I had a negative tone of voice. Mm-hmm. I don't begrudge people who resell. Like, you know, go nuts, right? Yeah. We ha- we all have a choice to just not buy it. Um, but with that said, yeah, dude, I'm glad you got it when you did because otherwise that was going to be a giant pain in the ass for you well, to find it. And here's the thing. This is going to sound really stupid, but when I finally decided to go get it, um, it was supposed to be $70, but Amazon had it for 65 And I was like, that was the, that's how, that's how paper thin my like will to do things is that as soon dude. as I saw like $5 discount, I was like, well, that covers tax. So like, let's go. You do realize you sound like my old Portuguese father. Remember when I told you about the Super Contra and Super Contra was 65 and he said, no, $60 only and I got Cobra Triangle? That is who you are. You are my old Portuguese this father. Congratulations. Is, this is who I've become in, in my quest to like try to not spend a ton of money on, on these games. But this is really like, it, it's funny. I, I do really well in not, generally not, you know, sort of 
buying games right at release unless I really want to play it and support for sure or getting like a ton of collector's editions because and I don't blame people who do that like it's really cool shit if I had all the money in the world like I would buy every single one but it, it adds up so quickly and a lot of these things like realistically I don't use what's inside the the boxes a lot of the times unless it's like a soundtrack or something then I'd listen yeah. to but like stickers art books pins it's whatever but i really like this series so i was just like i'm gonna support them i'm gonna just do it i got it the day of release it was very well packaged by amazon in that it was just in a box with no bubble wrap or anything (laughs) they drive me crazy dude you know how many you know how much stuff i get from them that's in like a bubble wrap envelope and it's like a cardboard box and i'm like you guys are killing me (laughs) you guys you guys are absolutely killing me anyway sorry please continue um but yeah, so I got it. I popped it in for a while. I played through um, the little bit of the intro and I absolutely love it. Like, obviously, that's me talking about like 25 minutes worth of game. Um, but everything from like the intro music to the chibi characters to just seeing all these characters again, I, I'm, I'm into it. You know, I'm not a huge I know you are a huge Etrian Odyssey fan. Yeah. Um, but when I played Persona Q, I really enjoyed like the map making and all that stuff. So as long as mechanically they haven't changed too, too much, I can't see myself not enjoying this because it's uh, three games, two of which I love um, and one of which I like but still need to finish, which is Persona yeah. 3, just in a, in, a, in a different shell, you know? And I like... Just being able to see those characters again and follow them on another adventure, it's it's very hard, you know. And I think that this is something that we see a lot in games. But I feel like when you when you become a really big fan of something, they don't really have to do too much to to like get you in the door, right? Like I feel yeah. like a lot of those changes are really to attract new people a lot of the time. Um, because for me, it's just like. Any excuse to just play with these characters again. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Morgana again. I'm yep. looking forward to seeing Ryuji again. Uh, you know, like even even the Persona 3 characters that I wasn't because I haven't played Persona 3, but I did play Persona Q. Yeah. Which had P3 characters in it. I'm looking forward to seeing them again. Yeah. Korumaru, man. I'm looking forward to seeing my little <laughs> my little dog friend, Korumaru. That's right. Um yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope they haven't changed, like you said. I hope, I hope they haven't changed anything about the battle mechanics. Yeah, because that was, that was the triumph of Persona Q. Mm-hmm. It, it was actually two things. One was the battle music. Yeah, which arguably my favorite random battle music ever. Like that tune in Persona Q was just fantastic, and the battle mechanics themselves, like. What, oh my god what a great idea like the fact that you had like the way it, the way it works uh, for those of you who haven't played it is most rpgs you press attack you press attack you press mm-hmm. attack when you're doing random battles but what persona q does is it gives you a limited amount of we'll just call it magic that gets replenished yeah. at the end of a battle and then if you go over that allotted amount then it doesn't get replenished. Mm-hmm. So what it does is it allows you in the random battles to just use magic all the friggin' time or use techniques all the time. 
and it makes the battle so much more interesting than just spamming attack. Yeah. And then at the end of the fight, you get those magic points back up to a certain amount, and you can just rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm. And it is it is so, so good. I can't believe other series haven't done it. Like, Etrian Odyssey kind of does something like that, but what they do is they give characters... They give you characters who have... Uh, MP or EP in Etrian Odyssey, whatever magic, re- <laughs> like magic replenishing abilities. Okay, so you can potentially have like you know magic perpetually replenished, and you can use more interesting techniques. Yeah, but even even Etrian Odyssey, the implementation was never as good as it was in Persona Q. Just I I really hope they have that again in Persona Q too. Yeah, and you know, oh, I will say th- that I found interesting, and I can't recall if this was the same in persona q but all the voices uh default at least i haven't messed around to see if you can change this i don't think you can um but all the voices default to japanese um really yes so i don't know if there's an english voice track for this game i have to i have to look around to see if i can find something but when I powered it on, it was all in Japanese, which caught me a little bit by surprise because I was like part of the excitement of wanting to see these characters again was wanting to hear the voices again. For sure. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. So I'd be a little sad if if you couldn't uh, listen to it in English. But overall, it's not going to ruin my enjoyment of the of the experience. But at a later point. We will definitely rehash this conversation once we've both played a good yes. amount of, of this game. Yes, once we've sunk our teeth into it. Yeah. I, I'm not surprised if it doesn't have English voices. I think if this game was released two years ago, yeah. then maybe the production budget or localization budget is a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. But the same thing happened with Etrian Odyssey Nexus okay. uh, released in February. Every Etrian Odyssey game up to Nexus had English voices. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nexus, they just had the Japanese voices with with the uh, subtitles, obviously. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is what it is, right? It's a late-gen game, so they're going to sell fewer units. People are less interested. Yeah. And that's just kind of how it goes. Like, yeah. you know what? I'm just happy we got it. Absolutely. And I think, you know, the the other point to could potentially be made is they're doing P5R as well. They're doing Persona 5 Scramble. So... You know, they might be using English voices in those other projects as well. Maybe this didn't get priority. Maybe. Yeah, that might very well be the case. Um, and then the last um, thing. Oh, sorry. Sorry, before you get to the last thing, mm-hmm. what's Persona 5 Scramble? I haven't heard of this. Oh, Persona 5 Scramble is, I think it's called Scramble. You make me you make me doubt everything I say on the show. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's basically, there's an announcement for this thing called P5S, and people were speculating for a long time that it was going to be a persona 5 switch port and what it okay. ended up being when it when they showed the trailer is a mosu game so it's a persona oh. 5 mosu game um oh. kind of like what's it called uh dragon warriors heroes is that what it's called oh i thought no, Hyrule, if it's a mosu like, game it'd be more like, like fire warriors. emblem hero fire that's emblem right. warriors that's what yeah, it is yeah. fire emblem warriors and uh hyrule warriors kind of like that um well and people I were disappointed yeah (laughs) i i honestly here's the thing is i understand the want for a persona 5 on the switch i think there should be a persona 5 on the switch i think you're gonna get it after p5r releases on playstation 4 that's what i would expect is maybe at some point they'll port p5 uh r to the switch 
I kind of like the Mosu idea because it's something that Persona hasn't done before. So maybe it'll be, you know, interesting to sort of see that again. I want to see more of what all's gonna, what, like, what's gonna be in it, you know, in the end. Because the thing that, that I'm worried about with Mosu games is I feel like Mosu games usually have big casts of characters, right? Yeah. And so I'm yeah. wondering, like, can this just be a Persona 5 game? Or are they going to have, like, Persona 4, Persona 3 characters in there as well to sort of flesh out the roster? Because I feel like there's not enough, unless they're using, like, social link characters and stuff like that, which would be really weird. Um, but if they don't do that, I don't know that you can just have a Moso game that just has the characters from Persona 5. I don't think there's enough of them. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Uh I guess we'll have to wait and see. That's kind of the that's kind of the the easy answer here. Yeah. For me the the Musou game is just kind of like the gameplay is just kind of played out. Like yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of done with <laughs> the fighting, you know, 500 enemies at once and just watching them all fall. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. I I'm kind of I'm kind of over that. So, I don't know, maybe look, I mean, I don't want to be negative. Hopefully, they'll be able to put a new spin on it somehow. Mm-hmm. And as far as characters are concerned, you know, Persona 5 would be the most interesting set of characters probably that they've ever had yeah. in a Musou game. I mean, we can talk about Fire Emblem, but the fact of the matter is Persona characters are so much more deep and well fleshed out yeah. than virtually any other game, any other series, right? Yeah. So by default, they'll probably have the most interesting characters we've ever seen in that kind of game. Mm-hmm. But the gameplay, eh, I could take it or leave it. Yeah. So Anyhow, sorry. I interrupted you with that question. No, but that's what fine. else were you looking um, at? Hopefully everything I just told you is not completely incorrect. But I don't think I could have made up something so detailed in my mind. No, I don't I don't <laughs> think so either. Um, and you know what? Actually now that I think about it, I'm happy that I'm not really excited about it. Yeah. If I was if I was excited about it, especially with all the shit that got announced at E3, oh yeah. My my wallet would be like, dude. Like, what Stop, are you doing? Please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the last thing, real quick, uh, once I finished, uh, I'm a very simple man, Paul. So once I finished Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, there's only one place you could go after that <laughs> Super Paper Mario on the Wii. <laughs> of course. <laughs> which I'd actually had for a, a pretty long time. I think I've had it over a year at this point. But for some reason, even though none of the Paper Mario games are connected in any way, so you can play any of them in any order you want. I was like, I don't want to play this game until I've played the GameCube game. And I I have no explanation for it. That's just how my brain was working at the time. That's not unreasonable. Yeah. I, I, I feel the same way. So I finally jumped into it. Uh, there were some people on Instagram who told me, you know, like, it's, it's pretty good. There seems to be sort of a... Following Thousand Year Door, the fandom of Paper Mario seems to get more and more divided with each successive game in the series um because there's this one then there's sticker star on the 3ds which people apparently do not like at all and then there's color splash on the wii u which some people seem to like and a bunch of people seem to really not like so i don't know this seems to be the last one where i feel like a majority of people were like it's good um but i you know so far i think i've played like six or seven hours um and okay. I'm enjoying it. There's some changes in the game that, like, it's very different from original Paper Mario and uh, Thousand Year Door in that 
there's really no more I, I just I would say there's even less RPG stuff in there now. Like there's no leveling there is leveling up, but you don't even choose what levels up. You just like your health increases when you level up. That's it. You don't have any magic anymore. Um you don't equip stuff anymore. And you don't really like when you had battles in Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, when you run into an enemy, you sort of go onto like a stage and then it's mm-hmm. like a turn-based yeah. sort of thing back and forth. This is just like you jump on enemies. It's it's like you're just in the overworld at all times and you jump on enemies to to damage them and kill them. Um, so the stronger an enemy is, the more times you have to jump on them to to destroy them. And then they attack you and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then the other mechanic is you have partners, but they're called pixels. And each pixel does a different thing. So there's like a grabby pixel. There's like a bomb pixel. There's a pixel that turns you in sideways because you're paper. So it turns you like invisible. So you can't be hurt <laughs> if you're not moving. Yeah. That's clever. Yeah. They do stuff like that all the time, which I really like. But the, I think the bigger mechanic is you don't just play as Mario. You, there's four characters. I haven't unlocked them. So I don't know who they are. I've unlocked the second one, which is Peach. So you can play as, Pe- as Peach as well. And you sort of switch between them to do different puzzles. Uh, because each character has their own unique ability. So Mario's ability is that he can uh, turn from 2D to 3D, like the whole world. Um, so oh. basically, like, you can be in 2D, and maybe you run into a wall, and you can't proceed, but you press a button, and it turns the world sideways into, like, a 3D view. And now the wall just takes up, like, one section of the road, so you can go behind it. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's, like, how, that's the big mechanic in that like how you like whenever you're stuck it just says if you're ever stuck just flip flip all the time because you never know what you're gonna find and you can do it anywhere which is really yeah. interesting because it hide they, that's how they hide secrets and little extra dungeons and stuff like that um but then peach's ability is she has a float jump so it's very super mario brothers 2 where she like sort of descends very slowly yeah, bringing um, it back yeah and i think this is just my guess, but I think the other two characters are maybe Luigi and Bowser, but I don't know what their abilities are. Um, but it's it's fun. I mean, it retains that sort of lightheartedness. It's a little bit the story's a little bit darker in this one because it's more end of the world stuff, but even the villains are still, you know, just ridiculous and funny. Um, but we'll see. I still haven't played enough of it to sort of make a judgment call on it. The the way they've changed things around turned me off a little bit at first but i've gotten used to it and i'm enjoying it so cool man yeah right on so what about you paul tell me tell me everything well <laughs> tell you everything tell me everything um i'll, I'll stick to the video games <laughs> uh probably the most notable thing that i've been playing uh lately is lappy labyrinth uh I've never heard Nintendo of this. switch what is this i don't even you know what i'll be honest with you i don't even know if that's how you pronounce it um i probably <laughs> I probably should have looked it up beforehand because like when I went to EB games to buy it, Mm. um, first of all, they didn't have it on their system, which was a little bit odd. Okay. But even even pronouncing it, I just had to like pull it up on my phone and say this game. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, is it? But I'm pretty sure it's I'm pretty sure it's Lappy Labyrinth. So L-A-P-I-S. Okay. And then Labyrinth. Yeah. Um, And phonetically that that's probably how I'd pronounce it. I think so, too. Anyway. You can make fun of me afterwards <laughs> if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, released by uh, by developed by uh, Nipponichi Software. Good old Nisa. So, 
Exactly. The uh, the great people behind the Disgaea games, the uh, the Prinny games, and the and some other you know not so great games, but <laughs> they do. <laughs> I could I could take or leave uh, Criminal Girls, for example. Yeah. Um, but they they have a nice you know they've got a nice little catalog there, and uh, this game is a side scrolling action. I don't want to call it a roguelike mm-hmm. uh, because they do reuse a lot of the level designs. It's not randomly generated. Yeah, but that's that's basically what I would call it. It's a side scrolling action borderline roguelike. Okay. So the way it works mechanically is that you form a party mm-hmm. of four characters. You can pick from eight different character classes and you form a party of four. And one of the characters is the leader and that's who you mainly attack with. And then the other characters are stacked on top of the leader's head. I think, and so, you know what? Now that you say that, I think I saw like a screenshot of this or something. I didn't know what it was called, but it looks really weird. Yeah, it is really weird. And when I saw, I remember when I saw the trailer and stuff like that, I was like, this is, it looks like it's going to scratch where I itch. <laughs> and so, and so I picked it up, right? Because, you know, I love dead cells. Yeah. I love those kind of like side scrolling. I love action, dude. Like I want action and uh lappy labyrinth. It It's, you know, there's like a lot of loot that you get and so on. So, you know, loot action. All right sign me up (laughs) so anyway you stack the other characters on top of the leader's head and then your stack does different things depending on what order the characters are stacked and and so on and so forth okay and every level is self-contained you can when i say side scrolling you're actually mostly exploring vertically jumping onto platforms with a little bit of with a little bit of side to side exploring as well you've got five minutes to complete a level and if you don't complete the level in five minutes, a giant, like, monster apparition appears. And if you touch it, you die. Oh, my period. God. <laughs> yeah. So, it again, like, you can tell why I like this game. Yeah. Because as soon as there's a time limit, it creates tension. Yeah. And I love tension in these games, right? So, you basically go through the level. And as long as you don't get hit, your combo meter kind of goes up. And you get more and more points. You get more and more treasure based on whether you can keep your combo going. Mm. And then at the end of those five minutes, or if you do that, you know, if you finish it in less than five minutes, you either move on to the next level or you fight a boss. Okay. It really depends on how far you are into the game, right? Like the further you get into, it's like, it's like, you know, Super Mario Brothers, right? Mm -hmm. You have like world one, stage two. Yeah. So in Lappy Labyrinth, you'll have world one, stage one, which is just one level and then a boss. Okay. But once once you get to world one stage five, then you have two levels or three levels and a boss. Okay. And then eventually you beat like the final boss and you move on to world two. Gotcha. So does the so, does the roguelike element come in where if when you die, like let's say you're in world one, I don't know, four and you die, do I then have to start again from world one one? No, you okay. start from world one four. Okay. The roguelike element comes in the fact that your your characters start from level one every uh, time you start a new run. Gotcha. Right? Okay. But the further you are in the game, the but you keep all the items that you get as yeah. you go through the game. You never lose the items except if you lose on a particular run. So as you go through the game, even though your characters start on level one, 
you'll have more and more powerful items. Yeah. So you're able to keep up with the enemies. Okay. And the enemies, as you get later into the game, of course, give you more XP. So you level up faster and you're able to better keep up with everything that's going on. Yeah. So mechanically, it's pretty solid. It it can be a little bit repetitive, but the action is intense. So like, I find that I, I don't get tired of it mm-hmm. just because even though you're spamming one button often, you're still jumping around and dodging and doing all that fun stuff that for me never gets old. Yeah. And the music's really good. The visuals are really like what sets it apart. Because you may have seen screenshots. I encourage you to see a video of it. Okay. The visuals are fucking bonkers, dude. There is so much color and there is so much stuff going on Hmm. the screen at one time. It's actually a bit overwhelming at first. I'm like, (laughs) the first time I popped it in and played. I was like, what in the fuck is going on here, right? Because yeah. like your your HUD has a whole... The HUD is a little bit messed up. Like There's a whole bunch of different stuff on the HUD. Mm. So it's kind of hard to keep track of it all. But you know, if you stick with it for an hour, you'll get used to it. Yeah. And then you'll just kind of enjoy all the crazy shit that's oh. going on yeah, on this the screen. Is, this is really colorful. I'm not watching a video. I'm just watching like different screenshots. It's super colorful. Yeah, Which really, is, really colorful. Isn't that just a tragedy of like that that time in gaming where everything was like black and gray and brown that now we're like, oh, my God, there's too many colors on the screen. I couldn't be happier. <laughs> I, I really couldn't. Like, I love, you know, super colorful, poppy yeah. kind of graphics, right? Like, this is one of the reasons why Persona 5 works so well. Yeah. Right. It's one of the reasons why I'm still playing uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Tokyo Mirage Sessions is one of the most colorful games I've ever played, and that's a big reason why I'm enjoying it. It's just bright and poppy, and it puts you in a good mood, you know what I mean? And Lappy Labyrinth is a lot like that. It's very colorful, and once you go into fever mode, which is a mode that happens when you kill a whole bunch of enemies after a while, Mm -hmm. then all the enemies drop these colorful gems, and they drop dozens and dozens of them, and the, the screen just fills with gems, And you might be wondering, well, how do you play the game if the screen is filled with gems and so on? (laughs) Fever mode makes your party invincible. Oh, hell yeah. For a limited time. It's like 30 seconds. And you just get insane loot, insane treasure. Uh, The music is like really fast and poppy again. I'm using that word a lot. But it doesn't. So like even though the screen is filled with stuff and you have a hard time seeing what's going on, it doesn't matter because your party is invincible. Mm hmm. So you can just fire indiscriminately at everything. Yeah. And I don't know. I think it's I think it's pretty fun. I mean, honestly, it really like what you just described makes perfect sense to me because it's it's the power star from Mario. Like the the sort of short burst of invincibility with like insane music and nice special effects has not has never gotten tired. You know what I mean? Like just that just that. Especially in a game like this, where I feel like, like you said, there's always a there's always tension because of the um, the the time limit and stuff like that. Like to have that sort of release of tension, even for thirty seconds, is probably life altering in that moment where you're like, oh my god, yeah. now I can just do whatever I want for like thirty seconds. Yeah, exactly. And you know your combo is not going to get killed too, because yeah. you can just get hit and it doesn't matter. So it's you know it's a very fun little game mechanic. If I had a negative for it it would be that it has no story at all okay but i mean like 
you know, if, if I'm not going to put you down if you like stories in your video games. I like stories in video games too, but sometimes I just kind of want to fucking get on with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which yeah. is one of the reasons why I love Dead Cells so much. <laughs> Dead Cells, it wastes no time. It doesn't even have a title screen. Like when you die in Dead Cells, you just go right back to the beginning of the game. It doesn't even have a title screen. Yeah. It just, you you get on with it. And yeah. that's what I want. I want to get on with it. I want to have my fun and I want to have it immediately. I don't want any updates. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> you know what well, I mean? Well, even like, as a, even as a big RPG gamer, like I know you are and I am like, I, you know, there's just times like even when I was playing Paper Mario where I'm like, how many more things do I have to click through? Like I'm enjoying it. I like it. But after a while, I'm just like, let me play the game, please. Yeah, exactly. And I think, right? I don't know if it's just a result of like, you know, I, maybe getting older or maybe just playing so many of these games that you're just like. This is so much for my brain to handle right now. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on what the reason is either. Mm. But yeah, it and it's again like with shoot 'em ups, for example. Yeah. Like it's one of the reasons I like shoot 'em ups so much. You just get on with it. Yep. Um so in that regard, Lappy Labyrinth again really scratches where I itch. I kind of expected I would like it when I first saw it. Mm-hmm. And after about a half an hour of playing it, I was like, ooh. <laughs> Boy, this might have been a waste of money. Oh, um, gotcha. But now that now that I've stuck with it and I understand the mechanics a little bit better, yeah, yeah, it's fun. I'll probably play it to the end. It's nice. it's a lot of fun. Is it is it like a full price release or is it budget? It's budget. Okay. Yeah, I think you can get it digitally for like uh, in Canadian forty dollars, which is about half the price of a first party release. Yeah. So about no, right. it's not like thirty, bucks. not expensive at all. Nice. Anything else yeah. that you've been playing lately, or or has Lappy Labyrinth consumed you entirely? No, no, it hasn't consumed me. Um, for a while, <laughs> Etrian Odyssey Nexus consumed me, I and say. I was genuinely, I was <laughs> genuinely worried about recording one of these episodes and being like, <laughs> "Sorry, guys, that's all I've been playing." Well, I was hoping um, no. that you that this episode would be the one where you're like, "I finished it." Oh yeah, I've I've gone on to New Game Plus. Oh, are you serious? I'm, yeah, I've al- I'm almost finished New Game Plus. What are you actually, doing with well. yourself, Paul? Why wasting why are, my time? Why are you doing like, this to yourself? I, I don't, <laughs> dude. I swore that I'd never play New Game Plus in a game ever again. <laughs> but Nexus is the it's the last Etrian Odyssey, right? I want to enjoy it. Is it the final it. one? That's kind of the impression that, that, that they've given we, that the fans got. Yeah, mm. but if they released a new one for the Switch. I would I would not hesitate <laughs> like I would I'd be super happy and I'd get right on it yeah but you know given that I expect it's it's definitely the last one on a dual screen system absolutely so you know I've I've just been really enjoying it to the fullest anyhow I have been playing other stuff um I started playing so have you heard of 428 Shibuya Scramble yes and I was it, when you started that sentence. I was like, no, and then you finished that sentence, and I was like, actually, yes. And it looks super interesting. And when people were initially saying like, oh, I found this game, like it looks really cool, and then I started like hearing more about it, I really wanted to play it, and I haven't been able to find it anywhere. Yeah, it was. It's definitely, you know, kind of a limited release, so to speak. Yeah. Or they just they just didn't do that. You know, they just didn't make that many copies. I actually picked mine up in December. And finally got around to starting to play it about a month ago. And so basically it's made, it's it's a Spike Chunsoft game. So it kind of has that, you know, they, they lean on the Danganronpa 
kind of style there. Yeah. But it's not quite like that. Basically, it's kind of a choose your own adventure game. It's a it's a visual novel if I had to describe it as something. Mm-hmm. But the way the conceit of the game is that you follow several different characters at certain points of the day. So each block of the game mm-hmm. is 1 hour in these characters' lives. And you jump from character to character and you make choices in their story. And the choices you make in one character's story will affect what happens to another character. Interesting. But none of these characters but none of these characters know each other. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. That- so No, I was go just on. gonna say like like that in particular i'm not a big visual novel guy like i just got through telling everyone how i'm clicking through rpg text like yeah visual novels have never grabbed my attention but if you throw in a twist like this like a little wrinkle in the mechanic where it's not just like you you cycle through and you make the choices and then things happen um this sounds uh, like more interesting to me this sounds like something i could genuinely get into yeah, and it's it's a little bit more interesting with that particular mechanic. Yeah. And it's also more interesting in that it's, you know, real-life characters in a real-life location instead of, like, the anime style. Yeah. Which I know can put a lot of people off. It's a little bit, you know, there are a lot of particular tropes in that style. Yeah. Um, that just don't happen in 428 should we a scramble. So when you say real-life, like, is this, like, FMV sort of stuff? Like, it's real people? You know, it's almost all stills. Okay. Uh, there's very, very little actual video, um, but it is like photographed stills of actors. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons I like it, dude, I, I've actually got into the habit mm. of playing it over breakfast. Okay. It's, it's just a, like a little thing before work. Yeah, because it's it's super easy to just kind of go through one character's kind of like hour. Yeah. In about twenty minutes or so. And you can just hit autoplay so you don't have to actually scroll through the text. Okay. So you can, you know, I can hold my bowl of yogurt and granola in one hand <laughs> and spoon the goodness into my mouth with the other. And the game just kind of plays itself. <laughs> See, here's the thing is when you say so- when you say a sentence like that, I think back to us playing on like a Super Nintendo or something. And to say that I could ever imagine a future in which we would let games play themselves while we just eat, (laughs) um, honestly would have been very helpful back then. Like there were so many times like I'd be stuck in an RPG battle or something and I'm like, man, I'm starving, but I have to get through this, this boss fight and like 15 minutes worth of text conversations before I can save or something. Um, but it's crazy how how things have just evolved to the point now where we're like they've they've made things so convenient that now we can have breakfast and instead of like <laughs> reading the newspaper you'll just play 428 Shibuya Scramble. Yeah, yeah. So the uh I'm about I don't know a third of the way through it. Yeah. It starts off kind of slow. Like there's there's like one big kind of event that happens at the beginning of the game. Okay. And then there's all the ramifications from that event and resolving the event. So the game only starts off with two characters. Mm. And at first I was like, mm, I don't know. It's like Lappy Labyrinth. I was like, I don't know about this game. Uh, but now that I've gotten through and more characters have been introduced, 
Um, there are definitely a couple more who are who are more interesting. Okay. And the writing is at times really really funny. Okay. Really funny. Like genuine. I'm sitting there and I'm laughing out loud. <laughs> so you know the the writers. Good job by them. They're not taking it too seriously. It's you know there's a lot of comedic elements to it, and the comedic elements work. Okay. So if you're if you want something a bit different. I think you could do a lot worse, right? Like if you're, especially if you're looking for a visual novel, like you're yeah. like, I've always wanted to try one of these. You could definitely do a lot worse than 428, especially because you can also play it on the Vita via remote play, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it's a big plus. Visual novels on the PS4, it's like, eh, you know, you definitely want to be doing that while you do something else, yeah. generally speaking. Uh, but on the Vita, you know, you lie in bed and it's like reading a book, but you know, perhaps a little more fun depending on the book. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I would recommend it for that reason. You know, it's it's funny. I mentioned the eating mm. like this is this is the great secret of why Super Robot Wars <laughs> is such a great game, because I remember playing Super Robo Wars on the Saturn, you know, Robo Wars F and F final. And I played those games almost every day for like a full year mm. while I ate lunch. That's because you can you can like you know you can move your unit mm-hmm. and then attack another unit with your unit and then an animation plays out and the animation is usually like around you know depending on the complexity of the attack anywhere from like 20 to 40 seconds yeah and that's a great time to shovel food into your mouth exactly yeah robo wars man another <laughs> great game to play you know we're going to do an episode on great games to play while, while you're, you're eating, eating. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I don't know that I would have any games like that, honestly. Although, I, I mean, honestly, maybe like Fire Emblem. Because again, like like you said, it's you move your unit, then you do the attack, you wait for that animation to go by, maybe take a bite of your sandwich, and then you make your other moves. And then when your turn's yeah. done, you wait for the enemy to make all his moves. Yeah, um, I, I might I might say Fire Emblem. I would put Robo Wars ahead of it. Yeah. Because in Robo Wars, the attacks are... Are so ridiculously long. Yeah, and, like, more elaborate. Um, and the characters, like, they have a line that they say before they attack. Oh, good. So if you're attacking with Camille <laughs> from Zeta Gundam, like, Camille spits out, like, this long thing about how, you know, nobody appreciates him or whatever. <laughs> and that's, like, 10 seconds already. And then he actually attacks. So basically what rifle. you're saying is that this game is almost, like, requires you to be doing something else while you're playing it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, not a great advertisement for a game. I love <laughs> Robo Wars. I have all day for it. <laughs> but definitely a game that benefits from uh, the cell phone era. Yeah. Where you can just kind of fiddle through with your phone While during these kind something. of parts. If you've, if you've seen the attack like 10,000 times, yeah. <laughs> which often you will. Yeah. Um, one thing I, I wanted to ask you before we take another break is um, so in 428, when you're playing, I know you say like your actions with one character affect the other ones. And I just want to make sure I'm getting a sense of this without spoiling anything. But can you lose characters as you go through? You don't lose characters, but you do get bad endings. Okay. So if you're going through with one character and the game ends because you have a bad ending, something weird happens to them. Yeah. Then you go to another character storyline, okay, and make a different choice at a certain point. Oh, gotcha. And then go back to the other character, and then you can progress further. Okay. Instead of getting the bad ending. Okay. By the way, the bad endings often hilarious. <laughs> well, see, that's what I was wondering. Is like, 
does it sort of motivate you? Like, say, if you get a bad ending for a character and you finish the rest of them, does it motivate you to go back and sort of redo the whole game? But no, it kind of, like, kicks you back and is like, make a different choice here. And then you sort of... Which, at first, I was like, I don't know if I like that. But now I'm like, actually, I think that's the best way to do it because that way you don't have to go through the entire game over again. You can just go back and make a different choice. And then that way you get to see not only the different choice you didn't make the first time, but continue the other character storyline. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. And and like I said, the bad endings. Yeah. Even though it's a bad ending, I never felt like <laughs> like you were I was being out punished. Of something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it was always like one of the endings is like the main character one of the main characters makes a different choice about his career. Okay. And then buys a farm, retires <laughs> with his wife and has a child. That sounds like was, a lovely ending. I, I'm saying, right? Like, <laughs> it said bad end, but like, it was perfect, and uh, it was it was really funny. So yeah, so yeah, that's that's pretty much that's pretty much it for me. All right. uh, let's take a quick break here, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about E3. Sounds good. All right, everyone, and we're back. And uh, yeah, on our break, I decided to <laughs> do the thing that I should have done before the show and look up how to pronounce uh, Lappy. It's not Lappy, it's Lapis. So <laughs> the game that I spent, you know, 20 minutes talking about, actually Lapis Labyrinth. There we go. And it's weird. Like when you look at the box, it's actually Lapis X Labyrinth. Yeah. But if you go to NIS's website and look up the game, which I did because I needed to like, I need to, it doesn't come with a manual because obviously. Yeah. So I went to their website to like see if I could look up some of the mechanics and stuff that mm-hmm. I needed to understand better. And they specifically say on the website, you don't pronounce the X. It's just Lapis Labyrinth. Okay. So anyhow. Yeah. You know, you know, five uh, five stars for professionalism. I'm <laughs> I'm mildly embarrassed. You live and you learn. Hey, you live and you learn, man. I, at least at least I'm owning it now yeah. instead of figuring it out after the show. That's true. Um, much like with our Raptors talk, you know, it's it's funny we talked about the Raptors winning the championship at the beginning of the show because last week you and I recorded a Fire Emblem episode. We sure did. But we recorded the Fire Emblem episode with the intent of releasing it later in July, closer to the release of Three Houses. Yeah. Just to kind of like build on the hype. Of course. And we talked about and we our, talked about the Raptors in that to, episode too. Our one attempt to uh do something that made sense. And yeah. now we've screwed it all up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I like that So this we're is... gonna release this one first, yeah. you know, talking about how the Raptors won. And then our Fire Emblem episode is going to have us talking about, oh, I don't know if they're going to win, man. That's going to be a tall order. Yeah. And there's two (laughs) things I like about this. One is that people who actually listen to this episode will get a nice little treat like an hour and 20 minutes into it. But also the fact that we are uh, 
I don't want to say too lazy, but maybe like shameless enough that we don't just edit out that part of the, <laughs> the Fire Emblem episode. <laughs> no, we own our mistakes on here. Yeah, it's a little from column A and a little from column yeah. B. <laughs> I, I I just don't feel like editing it, no. and uh, and I think I think the listeners will will appreciate some. They'll get a kick out of it. I'm sure they appreciate the good content, and I'm sure they appreciate some of the gaffes too, because oh, yeah. that's always fun. I mean, you know, we're we're regular people. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So there you go. Uh, anyhow, yeah, E3, man. E3. So, E3 just came and went. It sure did. And I have to admit, I wasn't really like, you know, on pins and needles looking forward to it. Right. It yeah. just kind of like, it just kind of came, and I was like, oh yeah, E3, and then the hype kind of built over the week and the weekend and after a while i actually started getting more interested in it Mm -hmm. so yeah pretty interesting show man like what did you take away from it um you know it was funny i I, i'm really happy that we're doing this because i did have people on instagram asking like are you guys going to talk about e3 and initially we weren't but now we're doing it so i'm very happy I, cool. I agree with you 100%, and I think it was, you know, when Sony said they weren't going to be at it, I think that just sort of took the wind out of a lot of people's sails. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I completely agree with you. I think that it was sort of a slow burn, and towards the end of the weekend, people started getting hyped up for it. But oh, generally, I think that we're seeing that E3 is just not the same sort of showcase that it was before. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, obviously like having the internet now people, there's a bunch of leaks and news just gets spread out much earlier. And also I think Nintendo specifically with their direct now that they've started doing that have sort of learned, like we don't have to save everything for this one moment and just sort of give it to everybody all at once. We can sort of control when we want to release news and when we want to make big announcements ourselves. And they've, yes. I think, taken sort of that power away from E3 in the in the sense of like, this is where you're going to get all the biggest game announcements of the year. And but but that mm-hmm. said though, their biggest game announcements of the oh, year yeah. came during E3 with their Nintendo Direct. Yeah. Like it really did feel like they were saving up something special for E3. Oh, th- I, I'm sure they were. But I think that part of it now is they don't have to because I feel and I don't know if this is true. So don't just take it with a grain of salt. But sometimes I feel like (laughs) people because E3 was like that moment to do that. A lot of games got either announced too early or maybe got rushed to get announced at E3. Whereas now I feel like they're more their mindset is more so like we can have two, three big announcements for E3 and then the rest of the stuff we can announce when we're ready to sort of, to announce it. You know, we don't have to sort yeah. of push to get this much stuff ready for E3. But like you said, they did have some big stuff for E3. Like, there, it's clear to me that E3 is still important, but I think it's becoming important in a different way than it than it previously was. Interesting. Yeah. Um. But I think if we're gonna get into it, like. The biggest thing, at least for me, was Cyberpunk um, yeah, 2077, yeah. and I'm, I'm mixed on it. Like, I know people are hyped through the moon for this thing. I thought it looked gorgeous when I saw the trailer. Um, obviously, Keanu Reeves stole the show, uh, you know, in his sort of appearance there. People weren't expecting that. It's crazy to think that something like that could be kept from the public for that long. Um, I love it. Until they're ready to announce. Yeah, it was perfect. Like, if this had been leaked, it wouldn't have had the same sort of oomph that you got when you saw it live. 
Yeah. But and I like just in general in society <laughs> not 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 to make this a big philosophical thing. Yeah. But I'm I'm tired of leaks, man. I I think I think we've largely kind of lost the ability to appreciate a surprise. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like and not only a surprise but a proper build up and deployment of the surprise Absolutely. for maximum impact. Yep. You know? Something like the Keanu moment that's uh yeah, I hope I hope we remember that and perhaps are a little bit more judicious with the leaking of information because you know, we all know these leaks are not happening by accident. It's yeah. not just some employee being like, "Hey, did you hear about this?" You know, this for the most part these leaks are planned. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, in in talking about 2077, like I said, game looks gorgeous. I'm super excited for it, but I will say I just I didn't see any gameplay and i know they they had a huge thing last e3 where i think they did something like 45 minutes of gameplay but when yeah. you're talking about a game that's you know from then to now things must be so different you know i don't trust gameplay i saw a year ago for a game that's coming out in another year yeah so yeah. I, I i was i'm hoping that we get to see a little bit more in depth as it gets closer um i liked what i saw but I'm just really curious to see how they're sort of going to pull this all together. The other thing that about Cyberpunk that has me a little curious is it seems like Microsoft is prepping to sort of launch their new console, the Scarlet, either late 2020 or sometime in 2021. So I'm wondering if Cyberpunk is going to get... I, I think that that console is going to be backwards compatible with xbox one games but i'm wondering if cyberpunk is also sort of getting a treatment where like if you play it on this new console it's gonna look even better you know what i mean like if it's gonna take advantage of all that new tech yeah i mean if honestly dude with the amount of hype into this game if i'm microsoft i just hand red is it red project red cd CD project red yeah yeah i just hand them a check a blank check (laughs) and say write down a number make me yeah yeah, just write down a number. We'll pay anything. Make it exclusive. Yeah. A game like that, if it had exclusivity, that would put Microsoft back on the map. Absolutely. Yeah, even if it's even if it's a limited exclusivity, like exclusive for a year or something. A year. Because people, even a year would be good. People will not wait to play this. People will buy this day one. Yeah, um, I agree. But no, I mean, that was, that was king of the show for me. Um, do you want me to keep going or do you want to throw one my way? Uh... Yeah, I keep going, man. Okay. Um, the other big thing that I, I feel like we need to talk about, even though it's like in our sphere, I don't think this is world shattering, but the Banjo-Kazooie announcement for Super Smash Brothers, um, huge. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Gigantic. Um, it's funny because I saw, I can't remember if it was Microsoft or or who it was, Basically, I think it was Phil Spencer basically tweeting and saying, like, this wasn't a hard decision, you know, to sort of like there weren't like massive negotiations of like, how are we going to get Banjo-Kazooie into Smash? Um, Nintendo just sort of came to them and they they claimed that they were really willing to work with them. But I'm glad on the one hand, I'm really glad this is happening because a lot of people wanted it. And of 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 the characters that are not in Smash 
that people have been really clamoring for. I feel like Banjo-Kazooie are one of the, if not the biggest one that was sort of intrinsically tied to Nintendo that just wasn't on there. So I'm very happy that they got them there. I'm even more excited that the Dragon Quest Hero got announced. Um, Sort of got overshadowed a little bit, understandably so, because people have been wanting Banjo and Kazooie and Smash since like Melee. But I'm very excited that one, he's in there, and two, that all his alternate costumes are different heroes from different Dragon Quests. Like, the things that Masahiro Sakurai and like the Smash team do to appease fans is like amazing to me. The There's lengths, no other game. Yeah. No other game that, that does that. The lengths that they go to to sort of make sure that people are happy are incredible. And the fact that people still complain every single time is unavoidable. Oh, sure. But you I know. was about to complain about the Dragon Quest hero. Oh my god. <laughs> well, here's the thing is is part of me is like I was really excited to see Banjo and Kazooie. I'm really happy for everybody who wanted that, but part of me was also like kind of wish you hadn't done that because now people are like well now we can complain about anything and eventually we'll get it you know what i mean <laughs> like they're batting a thousand they got cloud they got banjo kazooie they got uh solid snake they got everybody except waluigi he's the only one. Oh right yeah <laughs> waluigi's i think only an assist trophy in that game oh my god i wouldn't be shocked if sakura was like there's an extra dlc character we got waluigi everybody he would have to be free. Uh, you know what? <laughs> that poor man. I, I really hope that somebody sometime like releases him from whatever captivity they he's sort of placed himself into by continuing to work on these games. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, we're thankful. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's just it's part of the experience. It's going to make the game more fun. People are going to enjoy it like it's i i have a healthy cynicism for anything that companies do and i don't for a second doubt that this is you know all about the bottom line but i i it's hard for me not to believe that masahiro sakurai isn't so completely devoted to this work and trying to give people what they want that he just he's just really invested in like this is what's going to make people the most happy yeah yeah, I think, you know, I, I do think that that is probably the biggest consideration. Yeah. The fact is, having having Banjo-Kazooie in there, it's beneficial for everyone. Oh, right? yeah. Right? It's beneficial for Nintendo because they get another really cool character in their beloved game. Mm-hmm. And it's beneficial for Microsoft because it keeps that character that they essentially own, you know, it in keeps the, it in the, in the public eye. Yeah. I mean, just think about you know what we talked about in our fire emblem episode that has yet to be released (laughs) um how smash melee for the gamecube helped to bring fire emblem over because you had marth and roy absolutely and people are like wow we love marth and roy hey where's fire emblem (laughs) you know it i think it's beneficial for both sides yeah but ultimately yeah probably the biggest consideration there is what the fans want and that was just a great little choice yeah and i mean i think people have been speculating that like this sort of portends a Banjo 3E at some point. Um, which, you know, part of me is like, I'd love to see it. I'd love to play another Banjo-Kazooie game, no doubt. But, you know, I feel like the rare of now is so far removed from the rare that made those games 
that I just don't know that, you know, it's like people always say you sort of want to keep it as what you remember it as, not as, you know, take the shot and then sort of ruin it in the eyes of a lot of fans. So if they choose to do it, I hope it, I just hope it turns out well. Yeah, it would have to be. That's tough, man, because it also came along at a time when that genre was still was still a baby. Yeah. So the 3D collectathon was still kind of fresh. But if they kind of released the same game but with better graphics now, I don't think it would be reviewed as well. Yeah. I think they'd have to they'd have to make it something fresh. Yeah. Um but that was that. I'm very happy. I'm, you you own Smash, right? So are you going to get these characters? Like, have you gotten a Persona 5 guy? Sorry, you know, Joker. What? Yeah, Joker, <laughs> Persona 5 guy. Yeah. Um, the the short answer is no, I haven't. Okay. And it's just, it's honestly just laziness. Yeah. Right? Because like, we, I play Smash, let me put it to you this way. Mm. If I had another friend who also liked Persona 5 as much as I do, and who also played... If there was an intersection there, then I think it would be a no-brainer. But because I'm the only one, (laughs) it's not quite as much fun. You know what I mean? Like, we still still get together and play Smash from time to time. You know, even though the game is now seven months old or whatever. Yeah. We still get together and play it. But... Like if I'm the one, if I'm the only one who's really enjoying using Joker because he's Joker, then <laughs> how much fun am I really having? That's, you know what I mean. That's a fair point. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I was I was gonna mention about this is one thing you you talked about is that Smash is seven months old, and that's yeah. so insane to me. And I think that's that's the advantage. I think a lot of people weren't too thrilled about the DLC stuff. But I think the advantage to that is, you know, it keeps the game sort of feeling fresh even this long after release. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like most games a month out, you're like, well, that was a thing that happened, I guess. But Smash is still sort of creating these moments of pure joy for people with all these announcements and stuff. Yeah, still relevant. Look, it's a great game. Like, there's just no there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. It's just a great game and the fact that it's still relevant well deserved it's better than i thought it would be yeah you know i I remember talking about it a while ago and like i almost canceled my pre-order and i like kept my pre-order yeah because other friends of mine were were also getting it and i found out at the last second (laughs) but even then i was just kind of be you know i was just like "Eh, it's a game i'm gonna play with my friends or whatever wrong no it's fantastic (laughs) single player especially multiplayer you know, there's just so much, there's, man, especially multiplayer, there's just so much ridiculous shit that happens. Yeah. You know, like, it, it's it's so much fun. Yeah. Anyway. And we still got two more secret DLC characters left, I think, because they, they said yeah. five, so we got, we got yeah, three down. Yeah, five total. We got two more, so I'm excited. What else you got on your plate, though? Um, so the last point I wanted to bring up, this is sort of niche. This one's for me, as I like to say. And I say that as if this entire endeavor wasn't just me indulging myself and talking about (laughs) whatever the hell I want. But this one's for me. That's like the podcast. uh, Exactly. And I'm rolling it up in, I'm rolling these two tiny things up into one thing. The first is this enter the gungeon stand up arcade cabinet. Have you seen this? Yeah, I have. This thing looks so sick and I want to own it and I want to play it. It's basically, it's a light gun version of enter the gungeon as a full size uh, upright arcade cabinet. I haven't seen too too much. Like I saw a little bit of 
of gameplay and like a trailer. Um, but this looks awesome. That's pretty. It, it does. It looks really cool. This looks super cool. Um, yeah. and apparently I'm hoping that when they say like it's coming out, maybe that means it'll be at like Dave and Buster's or something like that. So I can actually go play it and not have to purchase the machine. Um, I think, I think it's probably a combination of both. Yeah. That's, if I was to guess, I think I, so. I, we, we could probably just look it up. Yeah. Um, but and why find would we out do for that? sure. But like, <laughs> there's been a lot of, there have been like a lot of these stand-up arcade machines for your home yeah. now getting released. Well, like we talked about, not on the show, but we talked about in chat the um, the Ninja Turtles one. Well, now that you the, say uh, that, that was Marvel. the other part of my um, of my oh, point. Yeah. yeah, was Arcade One Up had uh, re- like they announced a whole brand new lineup of stand-up arcade cabinets for your home. Um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle one, which is uh, TMNT Arcade and Turtles in Time, uh, full four so cool. four player board, amazing. I think I think they said it costs three fifty. I think three fifty is what it costs. Yeah. Plus, you know, you got to buy the because these are like four feet tall, so they're not a full sized one. So if you don't want to sort of crouch down or be sitting down, they ha- they sell risers that basically like a little cardboard box. You put the arcade on to make it like a full six feet or whatever it is. Um, and those are like 50 bucks, I think. So maybe like for $400 or around there, you can own that, which is great. Cause those are two really fun games, especially to play for player with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yep. they also announced a Marvel one, which has, now let me think here. It's Marvel superheroes, X Men, Children of the Atom, and the Punisher. Uh, the Genesis, cool. the Genesis Punisher game, which has I don't think has ever been released outside of that Genesis cart, which is insanely expensive, but is supposed to be a really really cool beat 'em up game. Um, and then they had one more announcement, which I don't know if you've heard of, which was the Star Wars arcade games, which they're doing. Uh, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi, and they've designed it with the yoke controller. I don't know if you've ever played these, um, the Atari Star Wars ones, where it's like, oh wow, this that's yeah, it's like this really weird uh, little device, and so that one's a bit more expensive because they had to design that controller from scratch, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. But no, if you if you've played Star Wars the arcade game, it's it's really fun and it's it's an older game but it's really really fun i think the first one uh a new hope is basically you're fighting tie fighters and then you're doing the trench run uh on the death star and then you're blowing it up and then my understanding is that empire was there was no empire arcade released it was a conversion kit for the original star wars arcade machine Oh, and then Return of the Jedi, which is the one I've played the most, probably is uh, the Forest of Endor. So you're basically on the speeder bikes, flying through the Forest of Endor, just trying to like shoot down stormtroopers and stuff like that. I think there's Man. more to it, but it's too hard for me to get past it. So that's so cool. I'll be honest, I didn't even know those two were released. The only yeah. one I ever played was the first one. Yeah, and I didn't even know that there were conversion kits for the other two. That's with pretty the, cool. With the sweet vector graphics. Well, return. Yeah. return was its own machine. Um, but my understanding is that uh, Empire was a just a conversion kit for A New Hope. So that one is probably the one that most people are excited about because it was really hard to find. 
yeah um, yeah that specific one but yeah so that one's crazy like and i was listening to people talk about this on another podcast where that one's a huge deal because not only did they get the star wars license but this thing is gonna be bought by just people who are into star wars not just video game people yeah, um, yeah. Which which makes it so much more lucrative. What I like about this is that when I see them pick up licenses like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Marvel, and Star Wars, I'm like, ooh, now we can now we can talk about getting some some really really cool stuff. Not saying that this isn't cool, but I'm talking like, give me Alien versus Predator. Oh, I knew that was gonna be the first thing <laughs> exactly. you said, and and rightfully so. Yeah, get me like a, what a yeah. hidden gem that a, is. Give me a Marvel versus Capcom one. You know, like let's let's get into like some real upper tier stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. And it looks like I don't know. Like, is this is this going to slow down? Like, there appear to be people out there who just have this kind of disposable income. Well, here's the thing: is <laughs> You know, they seem to sort of be in that 300 to 400 something dollar range. Um, I think I misspoke earlier. I think the TMNT one is maybe 400 because I think the Star Wars one, they didn't release a price, but people are speculating that it's going to be 450 to 500 dollars. See, I don't see how that's possible. I mean, I would love to see it happen. Yeah. And I get that the TMNT one is a bit more affordable, but like, I don't see how the Star Wars one is that price. And I was just looking up the Enter the Gungeon one. Yeah. The Enter the Gungeon one is in, it's like $5,000. Yeah, but that's like, a that's a full stand-up arcade machine. That's a full stand-up arcade. Yeah, yeah. I understand that. The, but. the thing with the TMNT one is that one's more expensive, I think, because it has the full four-player panel. So I think it's dimensionally, I think it's a little bit bigger. And I'm sure the licensing also, costs are like built into that as well. Yeah, and but it's also a matter of space too. Yeah. Like, I, I'm one of the lucky people who owns a house, yeah. right? Not, not a condo apartment, but like an actual house with an actual yard. And, you know, we're very happy and we're very fortunate. I do not have space in my house for any of this stuff. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. Right. I, like, I agree with you a hundred percent. And that's, and that's part and parcel. Like when we talk about how affordable it is. Yeah. Like on a micro level. Yeah. Yes. $400 is something that you can save up for. You know, you put away 30 bucks a month and then a year later, bam, you have your arcade machine, all your dreams come true. You can yeah. play Ninja Turtles at home. But, you know, part of that is having a large enough property. That's like a very large segment of the population that is not able to purchase this yeah. kind of thing. I, I so, agree. But I think like I do. I do wonder if eventually we're just going to kind of run out of space and this turns into like almost a rock band kind of situation, you know. Where it gets popular and people are like, oh my God, arcade machines. And then, no. <laughs> See, I would love to find these at like a Goodwill like 10 years from now for $20 or something. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But I think the thing is, you know, I, I do agree with you like ret- like space-wise, which space in, in some areas of the country and the world is, is premium. You know what I mean? Like filling your house with a bunch of these is, I think, untenable. But I think the appeal is there in like we said the value of it like if you've ever wanted to own an arcade machine and i think a lot of people have always wanted to own an arcade machine absolutely you can't really do better than 300 bucks you know what i mean even if it's a scaled down version which is probably a plus for a lot of people 
you really can't do better than this money wise. I I don't know if it's a feasible business model going forward because I think once you have I think it becomes a balancing act, right? Like once you have one, I think it's really hard for you to justify buying another one because of space. But because they only put certain games on these, you might be tempted, you know, if you went out right away and bought the Mortal Kombat one and now you see the TMNT one, you're like, well, damn, I would have preferred to have the TMNT one. You know, do we see people, like you said, sort of getting rid of some to bring in others? I just don't know how you sort of keep people buying into these the longer it goes. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. I mean, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there is an unending appetite for this kind of thing. Yeah. But, you know, I, I can see it just because of the size. I can see this, you know, trend getting kind of old fast. Yeah. But in but also in a way, I hope it doesn't just because, you know what, I'm never going to own it. But I'm happy just knowing that there is a four-player affordable TMNT oh, yeah. arcade machine. Yeah. Because I loved that game when I was a kid. It was that one and the Simpsons arcade. Actually, oh, you know what? Now that you, now that I'm thinking about it, they did announce another one. I didn't. I saw this on because I was watching people's like videos from E3, and I think they yeah. also said there's a Golden T one. I have to double check that. Yeah, they did. They yeah. did. I, I heard about. I heard about this as well. But that one, and, uh, it's funny. I, I'm not a huge like golf video game fan. That's one that I was like, that one's for like the old heads. Like I remember oh, when yeah. Golden T was like the game that was in every bar that you'd go to. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I, I wonder. I wonder if it'll be able to take the kind of abuse that Golden Tea inspires. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, with and like here's a the home other version. thing um, that I saw to address maybe a little bit what you've been talking about. Apparently, they're also planning like tabletop models or like models you can hang on a wall or something like that that are huh. just very compact. So maybe those are the ones that people will sort of keep buying. I don't maybe. know. It's, yeah. it's really... It's really interesting to see, but I agree with you, like, just the fact that at some point, maybe they could release a Simpsons arcade version that's, like, $300, I would love that. Like, that'd be I know, that would so be so amazing. Again, I'll never own it, but, yeah. oh, boy, like, that would be, that would be something, man. A Simpsons arcade machine, I'd, oh, God, it would be, it'd be very hard not to splurge for it. Yeah. And just kind of apologize to my <laughs> wife later, <laughs> and, you know? Yeah. And these are, from what I can see, like, they've also done a really good job of not making these, like, sort of, this is for gamers, quote unquote. Like, you won't find these at GameStop, I don't think. I think you can order them online at GameStop, but where most people buy these that I'm seeing is, like, Walmart. So, yeah. this is very easily something that, like a dad would walk by and be like, oh, this looks like, you know, something the kids would really get a kick out of. Or maybe I remember, like, playing some of these older games back in the day. And for 300 bucks, you take it home, you put it together, you know, you can play Asteroids or for a little bit or Gauntlet or, you know, whichever one you end up getting. Yeah, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Cool. But that's it for me.
Well, uh, on my end, I think the um, I think the big announcement. Uh, there's there's a few, right? Yeah. Like we already talked about the Nintendo Direct. We uh, we talked about. Well, actually, no. Sorry, we didn't talk about <laughs> Link's Awakening. Um, we did not. But you know, Link's Awakening, uh, the Panzer Dragoon remake, uh. like that Nintendo Direct was a direct fucking kick to the nuts of my wallet (laughs) and and also my free time i don't know how i'm gonna have time to play all the stuff that they talked about in that direct yeah like link's awakening in september i I don't i I, i'm not prepared yeah you know how let's not even talk (laughs) about the contra collection which you can get right now the secret of mana collection which you can get right now like, I'm not a secret of mana guy, yeah. but like, yeah, I, I get it. I get why people are excited for it. Yeah, man, yeah. that that Nintendo Direct was something else. And uh, and Link's Awakening, especially, I was like, shit, dude, <laughs> like that's that's really, really cool. Really unexpected. And uh, that's I mean, that's a day one purchase, yeah. honestly. Um, so, yeah, like that's you know, that was a big deal. Um, the Final Fantasy seven remake trailer, <laughs> like. So tell me Dude, what got, you think about this. I'm cu- I'm curious to know what 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 your what your thoughts are. It looks great. Okay. It looks great. Like I mean, how do you you just you can't not get excited for it, right? Like yeah. you just can't. I heard like you hear the battle. Like I heard I was watching the trailer and I heard the battle music. I got <laughs> chills, dude. I got chills. I was watching it and I'm like, damn. Like this, <laughs> you know, this looks really good. You know the the characters are all a little bit more. You know, I say realistic, gritty, but as as realistic as a Buster Sword, exactly, and spiked hair, <laughs> and just all of Tifa could possibly be, right? Yeah. But like, you know, compared to how they were in 1997, oh yeah, they they have like a little bit more mature look. Looks really good. All the redesigns, I'm on board for all of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just I'm just looking forward to that one. Yeah. Here's the here's the, the thing uh, that um that people have been talking about that I'm sort of on the fence about is the fact that it's supposedly well not supposedly it is episodic in nature so apparently the first game isn't gonna leave midgar i haven't oh, yeah i haven't gotten yeah, too far into final fantasy 7 myself like i've never beaten it um but they've also said that the first game is gonna be two blu-ray discs worth of content so on the one hand, people are like, well, you don't leave Midgar to like five hours into the game. On the other hand, they're like, we're going to fill two PS4 games full of stuff. Yeah. So I'm like, there has to be some crazy stuff. Like, they're basically saying that they're going to make a brand new RPG every time they release one of these episodes. I, I'm not skeptical. I have, yeah. it's weird to say that I'm, I'm skeptical about like fucking everything, <laughs> but I actually have faith that they'll do that it they'll well. Pull it off. Yeah, I I do. I I I get that the episodic nature of it seems like a bit of a cash grab. Yeah. But there's a lot more they can do, right? Like let's bear in mind as groundbreaking and beloved as Final Fantasy 7 was, mm-hmm. there could have been a lot more story. There could yeah. have been a lot more character development, right? Yeah. So I can see that they would be able to add stuff to, especially the Midgar section of it, mm-hmm. without it necessarily being filler. Yeah, 
And I will say, you know, my my biggest concern with something like this doesn't even apply in that my biggest concern with episodic content is always what if it doesn't sell well and they run out of money and they never finish it? You know, not possible. like especially how long we waited <laughs> for this part. But with something like Final Fantasy seven, like Sony would write any check of any amount to have them keep this going because people are going to buy this. They're going to buy no it doubt a lot. About it. Um, yeah, so you're right. No like doubt. even if it's episodic, as long as they sort of keep to it and finish it, I, I don't see how it could be, you know, bad. Cause they're following, they're following a framework that people love, you know? So even if they change it a little bit and they play around with some of the mechanics and stuff like that, I think that as long as the basics are there and people, you know, get to see their favorite characters again in high definition and get to see that story they've they've loved and they've played for so long, I don't see how this isn't a winner for Sony. Absolutely. And I mean, let's say let's say Midgar sells horribly. Yeah. Right? Let, let's say there's some weird, weird <laughs> world where this actually happens. We know how the story ends. Oh yeah. Right, we're not being deprived of a conclusion to this story that we all grew up with, That's right? That's true. Yeah. So there's no disappointment really there either, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's just kind of a win all around. That said, they're going to release all the episodes. Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah, like, absolutely. That is, that is happening. Um, and um, then really so, quickly, sorry, just a really quick thing. Um, yeah, man. That Panzer Dragoon remake. I want people to know, like, buy this only to try to get them to make more <laughs> because I want Panzer Dragoon Saga and I want to not have to pay like $700 for it. It would be nice. <laughs> it would be nice. I, I I will probably be getting the Panzer Dragoon remake yeah. day one um, for, for several reasons, right? You know, beautiful looking game, distinct art style, distinct music, mm-hmm. modern sensibilities for it. Yeah. You know, there, there are all kinds of reasons to get it. And uh, low key, one of the reasons is just so I hope it sells well. Yep. So eventually they try their hand at Saga. Yep. That would be nice. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. A uh, couple other things real quick. Uh, speaking of Mr. Game and Brews, he was he was the first guy who, who sent me a message on Instagram <laughs> after Fantasy Star Online 2 got announced. Oh, yes. He's like, hey, man, did you see this? <laughs> 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 and I, I in all honesty actually I didn't he was the first one who told me about it and I was like shit that's pretty cool uh, I liked Fantasy Star Online on the Dreamcast yeah. it's not really like the Fantasy Star game that I grew up with mm-hmm. but it, it takes a lot of the aesthetic and does something new with it and I really enjoyed it at the time Yeah, and I, I'm you know cautiously optimistic for, for PSO2 so you know thanks for, thanks for pointing that out uh, to me and you know it's funny actually um so Tsukini games mm-hmm. on Instagram she sent me a message she was holding a copy of Tales of Fantasia for the Game Boy Advance yeah and she just sends me a message saying hey i picked up this game and i thought of you immediately <laughs> and and i'm like okay but it you know my game's fantasy star right and she's like oh my god you're right it's it, you know i, I was wrong Fan- We've reached the point now where any game now that has a P and an H in it together, <laughs> people just send me a message because automatically I'm a star your, guy. your game. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I I was excited for PSO two in the same way that I was excited for Banjo Kazooie. Like, am I going to play it myself? 
Probably not, but I know enough people who are really excited about it and who've been really wanting to play it um, that I'm happy they got it. And, you know, all we can do is hope that it turns out as good as they're expecting it to be. What I thought was crazy about this is that this was a Microsoft announcement. um, Yeah. Considering (laughs) that, like, Fantasy Star, the original Fantasy Star uh, online came out on the Dreamcast and then it got a GameCube port and now it's going on Xbox One. Fantasy Star has been around the block, man. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they've been on every I'm not system gonna ma- i'm not gonna make any obvious jokes here <laughs> um it's also gonna be on ps4 as yeah. well though yeah uh it's just a matter of when it gets localized not if mm-hmm. so we might see the xbox one version come out in the west first yeah and then the ps4 one so i don't know we'll see i'm i'm not the bottom line is it's sometime in 2020 yep and we're still knee deep in 2019 now so <laughs> You know, that'll that'll happen when it happens. Uh, the other big one, dude, TurboGrafx Mini. Oh, Lord. Here we go. You know, like, I, again, I, I mentioned this on the Sega Genesis episode. I hear these mini announcements and I'm like, ah, another mini console. But like, dude, I have to get excited yeah. for TurboGrafx <laughs> Mini. Like, I can't help it. I don't want to. Yeah. You know, another mini console. I feel like a sucker. Yeah. But how do you not? Well, how do you not if you grew up with this stuff? I mean, considering this is coming out after our Sega Genesis mini episode, and I'm currently facing what I'm sure is a wave of hostile backlash for my spicy hot takes <laughs> from that episode. <laughs> I, so are you going to tell me that you don't want Rondo of Blood? Is I wonder. <laughs> well, first of all, there's no Keith Courage in Alpha Zones, so automatically strike against that. Um, <laughs> but no, here's the thing. There's a couple of things that I that I like about this, and one is that I'm sort of in the same position you are, where honestly, after the Super Nintendo Mini, I was kind of done with the whole thing. You know, I got that one. That was the one that I that I'd really wanted. Um, it was a pain to get because I. I like an idiot, I actually managed to get a pre-order and then it was everywhere. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed it for what it was and I played the games I wanted to play on it and I just really haven't touched it since. So yeah, I was like, yeah. I don't really need to get any more of these. Then the PlayStation 1 happened and it just wasn't it wasn't as good. Um, then the Sega Genesis 1 happened and that's got me excited about it again because it has games that we just didn't get here. And, you know, that that we could play on emulators and stuff like that. But this is sort of a way to get it, support the company, support them doing more stuff like this in the future and have like a what I would say a comparable experience to playing it on original hardware. Obviously not the same, but as close as you're going to get. Yeah. And like Ozzy said, you know. It it's going the emulation is going to be as good as possible. Yeah. Right. It's not going to be like what you've experienced in the past. Yeah. You know, it's being done in house by Sega. Yep. The give a shit level is going to be high. Yeah. Anyway, we've already done this episode. Yeah. Um. And but with the with the Turbo Graphics one, you know, I've heard people say that this one's not going to be as successful because people like this one is specifically for collectors or people who know Mm -hmm. about video games. There's very few people, you know, it would be argued that would be wandering around and be like, Oh my God, the turbo graphic 16. Like I definitely need to own this. Um, (laughs) And on the one hand, I do kind of agree with that. But on the other hand, the reason I like this one in particular is because one, the turbo graphic 16 is 
just harder to collect for in general. Unless you owned one when you were younger or you got into it before prices started going up, getting into the Turbo Graphics, I would say, is a step above monetarily getting into Genesis collecting or Super Nintendo collecting or Nintendo collecting. The average yeah. price of games is just higher. So the value in having a collection of games that are well emulated and come with a comparable, you know, sort of control scheme to the original, I think that's that's value in and of itself. And then the fact that you might just get games that never came out here is another layer on top of that. You know, can you yes. imagine if they, and I doubt they'll do this, but can you imagine if they threw Magical Chase on, on that thing? You know, that's that would a, be fantastic. That's a $3,000, $4,000 game. And if I can pay $70 to play it on, you know, this TurboGrafx Mini, I'd love to do that. I still can't believe that that's a thing people say out loud. Yeah. The words, <laughs> that is a $4,000 game. Yes. Like, I heard you say that out loud, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, like, that's that's crazy. Yeah. But it is what it is, right? I mean, yeah. you know, it's super rare, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, you know, they've only announced, like, six games for each region. And, you know, eventually we're going to do an episode on this, I would assume. Sure, yeah. Um, How can we not, once, right? Once more details come out. Konami's doing it. That's another part that I'm sort of like... On the one hand, they do own all the properties, so it makes sense that, you know, they can do a lot of, they can put a lot of games on here without too much hassle. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, what are they actually going to do? Like, are they, are they going to put the games that they know people want on there? Or are they going to sort of split them up between all the different versions to try to get people to buy more than one? Who knows? Um, And how good is the hardware going to be? Yeah. Like, I have faith that Sega will put you know their full elbows into it just because they've they've got a track record of doing that yeah konami does not have that track record Correct. konami has a track record of letting their ips languish and not really give a shit about the fans yeah so to speak and hey like i get it you know it's a business first i don't want to be that guy who's like well they should just be running a charity and it should <laughs> just be for us yeah i i'm i'm realistic i get it you know pachinko way to go guys <laughs> But well, <laughs> but it, it does make me a little bit more wary than with something like the Genesis Mini. Absolutely. And I will say, and this is nothing to do with the quality of the system. And I and I wanna I wanna say this because I wanna know if this is a hot take from you personally. Uh, this is just me, like this is my personal take. TurboGrafx 16, kind of an ugly system. Oh yeah. It's not a That's the system. other thing too. But the, no, the no, PC it's not engine, pretty at all is one of the coolest looking systems I've ever seen. So aesthetically, I'm already leaning towards like, I want one of these because it looks cool. Yeah. The the thing about the PC Engine that made it especially cool was its size. Yeah. Right? It was, it was by far the smallest system on the market back in the day. And so when you have a mini version... You don't really have that to lean on. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's as pretty as you do. Okay, um, like the Turbo Duo, for example, as we've talked I mean, about, yeah. that that's <laughs> that's the you know that's the Lamborghini right there. Yeah. But the Turbo Graphics sixteen, no, no, it was never it was never the prettiest. Yeah, the prettiest thing. See, now you made me think of something interesting. In that, I get that you make a different. They, they've sort of made three for the three regions. I think we're getting the Turbo, Japan's getting the PC Engine, and I think Europe is getting the core graphics. Um, I'm not sure about That's what I think the press release said. 
Okay. But the thing I find interesting is they're putting Turbo CD games on here. So why that, wouldn't you just make yes. a Turbo Duo Mini instead of a Turbo Graphics Mini? Because I, I don't know, dude. I think it's because, <laughs> you know, it was the original one. Yeah, I guess that makes so, sense. But like you said, like the Turbo Duo, in terms of aesthetic, I think is one of the sleekest consoles ever made. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think, you know, the small name recognition you're going to get from this brand is going to be the Turbo Graphics 16 over the Turbo Duo. Yeah, exactly. Like the fact is by far more people owned the Turbo Graphics than the Turbo Duo. Yeah. That's that's just it. I'm really actually excited for for the PAL territory more than anyone that's else. That's what like, I was going to say too. They never even yeah, got Yeah, cuz they system. never got any of it. Yep. Yeah. I mean there are there are European boxed Turbo Graphics systems out there. Mm-hmm. Um when I went to go visit our buddy Vetterman Dennis yeah. in Portugal, he actually has one. It's it's in a box. And it's just TurboGrafx-16 released for Europe, entirely different look and box than the American one. Really? And uh, and I actually like held it in my hands, and I was like, "Ooh, <laughs> it's so cool!" <laughs> but there's no games. But, for I mean, it. it's yeah, there's no games for it. It's not really playable in any meaningful way. So the fact that they're getting it, I'm I'm more excited for them because yeah. you know they live in this territory where they're growing up and they're getting these gaming magazines. And they're hearing about the PC Engine, and they're hearing about the Turbo Graphics, and yeah, I like we know that the Turbo Graphics was largely a failure in North America. Yeah. But that said, you know, there's still a whole bunch of really cool games oh, that yeah. they didn't get to play at all. Yeah. So I mean, there's a reason why those games, why why that library is sort of expensive now. It's not just because of scarcity. I mean, undoubtedly that's part of it, but it's also because there is quality in that library. Like people want to play those games. Yeah, it's very um it's a very like it's a very hit or miss library. Yeah. Like the games are either really good <laughs> or like real stinkers. Yeah. Like, ooh man, some of them smell really bad. I mean but you've seen the, the you've seen the first six games for for the lineup and, and you're somebody who, unlike a lot of people, had experience with the system when you were growing up. So based on just the six games that you're seeing that they've already announced like what do you think are they are they sort of on the right track with it oh yeah okay yeah the only the only miss there is alien crush instead of double Double crush Crush. yeah yeah double crush is the superior pinball game and i'm a little bit surprised they included alien crush instead yeah that said alien crush is still good like it's not like it's you know a bad game or anything so that's a perfectly fine inclusion and the rest of these six are very like emblematic of the Turbo Graphics PC Engine experience, yeah, you know you have R Type. That that machine was a shoot 'em up monster, of course. Yeah. And uh, and R Type is probably the best console conversion of the arcade game. Okay, uh, the R Type for the PC Engine that is. New Adventure Island, you know, Master Higgins. That's the Hudson Soft mascot. Yep. You know that goes part and parcel with the Turbo Graphics Ninja Spirit. Fantastic side-scrolling yep. game that. You know, if it was on the Super NES, that game would be like hundreds of dollars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, obviously, Eastbook 1 and 2, you, I, like that's that's the CD game for the system. Yep. You know what I mean? Other than like Rondo of Blood, like yeah. when I think of TurboGrafx CD, I think of Eastbook 1 and 2 and I think of Lords of Thunder. Yeah. Which has to get released as well. That's that's one that I'm, that I'm really hoping for is Lords of Thunder. Yeah. And then you have Dungeon Explorer and Dungeon Explorer is... It's the five-player Turbo Graphics experience, right? That's that's the game that you could point to 
and say, you cannot play this on any other console. Yeah. Because you couldn't. Yeah. You know, Dungeon Explorer through and through is a turbo graphics game. And uh, yeah, like they're they're on the right track there. It seems like they know what's supposed to be on it, yeah. you know, so to speak, yeah. right? And I think we've touched on this before, but I mean, we're hoping for Rondo of Blood. Yeah. And I think Bonk, yeah. one of, if not all three of those Bonk games need to be on the system. They'll probably release Bonk's Revenge, yeah. if I was to guess. If I was just to guess. I don't think they're going to release all three. Yeah. But, and then, you know, if, if they're going to release one, it'll probably be the second yeah. one. And then for my money, I know you said Dungeon Explorer is the t- five-player Turbo Graphics game, and I agree with you because you couldn't play it anywhere else, but Bomberman needs... There has to be a Bomberman on that system, I would think. Dude, first time I ever played Bomberman was on the Turbo Graphics, yeah. and it was it was a complete game-changer. We had never played anything like it. We had four controllers. There were four of us playing... And you could play with up to five. Yeah. It's just that we didn't have five controllers <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, but yeah, that's like, oh, dude, Bomberman, part and parcel with that system as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And then after that, just release the the rarest and most expensive games. <laughs> I mean, the, the good ones <laughs> like Star Soldier, like Lords of Thunder, uh, Magical Chase. You know, it, you I, could go I on agree, forever. Yeah. Yeah, like there are some that are really expensive that I'm kind of like not, they're not great. <laughs> like um like the shoot 'em up cotton. Yeah. I remember I remember I had cotton really? when I was a kid, which makes me laugh now cuz it's like $800 yeah. or whatever. <laughs> but I had it and I took it home and I was playing it and I'm like nah. Yeah. Yeah, no, not not so great. And then I took it back to the store and traded it in for something else. Yeah. What's so, the other you know, um Valis 3, is that one of the big CD games as well? Valis 3 is not like a big CD okay. game, but it's definitely a CD game. <laughs> <laughs> There's there, that library. I'm, I'm looking forward to more announcements because I don't know enough about the Turbo library where I think it's going to be a cool experience for me just being surprised by what they put on there ultimately. Yeah, what we need and what we need as well is either final zone or valis 2 okay or both just because they are the finest examples of terrible voice acting from that era <laughs> terrible oh anime cutscenes. oh yeah the anime cutscenes, like especially those two yeah <laughs> oh man i really hope they include one of those two just for that reason yeah it would there it's hilarious dude. well more than any other mini I would think, and and obviously, I don't know the intricacies of who owns all these licenses, but I would think that Konami probably has, in terms of like the big games that people want on there, probably is going to have the easiest time securing a lot of those big titles because they own a lot of them. Um, Yeah, virtually, I mean, so many of the IPs for the system, they just own them outright. Yeah, and the rest of them, I can't imagine, would be super difficult to to secure no no i I can't imagine either like it would be it would be a real shame for example if they didn't have blazing lasers or gunhead if you're a pc engine fan it would be a real shame if they didn't have that i don't think they own that ip i don't it was i think it was released by nec and not hudson for example yeah i could be wrong about that but you know i'm not going to look it up now yeah does uh, does hudson own um who owns air zonk do you know off the top of your head that was Hudson. Yeah, so that's another one yeah. that I think, you know, easily could be on there. 
I, I can't imagine the system not having airs on. Yeah. I say that about a whole bunch. <laughs> like, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Well, that's, and then the lineup's going to get finalized, and I'm going to be like, Jesus Christ. Well, that's the like, other thing. so many that they didn't include. The other thing we haven't really talked about is the fact that they haven't said how many games are going to be on this thing yet, I don't think. Um, but I would assume, you know, with Sega putting 42 games on theirs, if if it's anything less than 30, I think, you know that's a little harder to justify depending on what price they decide to put on this thing. It might be. It might be 30 or less. Yeah. Remember, the TurboGrafx library is not nearly as deep that's true. as the Genesis, yeah. I right? Guess, I guess you wouldn't we're, want we're it to be bloated. We're talking like a fifth of the game. Yeah. So. That's, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. You don't want it to be bloated just for the sake of having a ton of games on there. No, you don't need... You don't need deep blue and... <laughs> You don't need magical dinosaur tour, right? <laughs> like there there's some of these games that you just you just don't need there. I mean with a name um, like Magical Dinosaur Tour, I don't know how you could go wrong. <laughs> I don't know either. Um and I think to wrap it up, at least my thoughts on it, um I think this, you know, I got, it's the th- here's the thing is this is sort of peak mini in my mind. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. if the TurboGrafx 16 is getting a mini and it sells well, there's no excuse for any other. Give me the Saturn. Give me, you know, just start, just start rolling them out there. Neo Geo Pocket Color Mini, you know, because <laughs> because if this system, if this system is getting a mini and it does well, then I don't think there's a limit to this craze. Yeah, I I agree. I think, uh, and I and especially given the nature of some of the hardware that came after that era, yeah. after the 16-bit era. You know, a Neo Geo Mini would would be just fine. Yeah. You know, people people would look at that. I mean, SNK and they tried have it, had yeah. like, they yeah they have had like the little arc, but that you know the implementation was not yeah great. It's apparently not, um, not the best. So maybe I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but the Saturn, absolutely. Like again, you know, hardware that didn't sell very well, but has really quality software yeah. that is very expensive to come by nowadays. Mm-hmm. How do you not? Exactly. Right? And the N64 Mini. That's the one again, that's and, the one that people are, are dying for. Yeah, people are really man, I don't get it, but <laughs> Yeah. I, I get it. I get it if you're a kid and you grew up with the N sixty four, but I, I was not, you know, I was in my like late teens, early twenties yeah. by the time the N sixty four was, and I was really cynical about it <laughs> at the time. So I have a hard time getting up for the N sixty four like yeah. other people do. I think but with the, that said I think the advantage to the N64 is that that's a console that you say, you know, we're going to put 20 games on here and they can, you can make them all incredibly, you know, that's, that's basically every amazing game on the system. They're all probably owned by Nintendo. So it would take like two seconds to, to, to put them all on there. Yeah, exactly. Like you have Mario Kart or you have Diddy Kong Racing, you have Mario 64. Yep. You have uh, Superman 64, <laughs> and then you have <laughs> uh, Starcraft 64, Glover. Um, okay, stop, yeah. stop, stop. <laughs> um, but no, I, I agree with you. Like, I grew up with the N64, and I really liked it when I was a kid. But, you know, outside of the fact that I don't think you'd be able to... Because the the arguments I've heard for the N64, at least the one that I think holds a little bit of water, aside from like they just want to do it, is you're there's nothing like an N64 controller. Like even if you emulate N64 to get you're you're not gonna get the same experience 
by playing it with any other controller outside of that N64 controller. So having something yeah. that has like a replica of that N64 controller is probably, you know, one of the big reasons to do something like that. And by the way, license to print money. Oh, absolutely. If if they make an N- if they make an, a mini N64 and they just make a crap load of controllers that are identical to the originals. Yeah. Cuz the originals like you know, there have been companies that have made third-party versions of the N64 controller for retro gamers, yep. but and some of them have been really good. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not taking anything away from uh, from some of them. I think Retrobit might have been the most recent one. God, I can't yeah. remember exactly. I mean, and but, Hori's been making those like those modified ones forever that are yeah, now getting yeah. like, really popular. But even even those modified, and that's what I'm thinking of actually, is the modified mm-hmm. Hori one. But even those are like a 9 out of 10 as far as feel compared to the original goes. So if Nintendo released this N64 Mini and then released a whole ton of backwards compatible controllers, that would be really crazy. Yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think here's the thing is, and we're getting, this is getting like really into the weeds, but I would wonder if you put an N64 Mini out there, if you go because I think like the thing with the N64 a lot of the time was the variety and the sort of uh not customizability, but just like the collectorship of, you know, here's your smoke gray one, here's your ice blue one, here's your Donkey Kong Jungle Green one. They're fantastic. Exactly. And if you put if you make fantastic mini N64s, <laughs> get people buying like nine or ten of these things. Uh, for real. That's how for you real. that's how you print money, Nintendo. My God, why don't they just hire us? <laughs> Honestly, like I'm, I feel like my talents are being wasted here in front of this microphone in my cold basement. You know what I mean? No, we're slowly building up the audience. So eventually when we come to Nintendo with all these money gouging ideas for their consumers, they'll, they'll love it. <laughs> Doug Bowser will welcome us in with open arms. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Well, right. as much as, as much as I enjoy talking games with you and I could just... <laughs> And we could just keep on going. Make make no mistake, loyal listeners. This could easily be a four hour podcast. Um, But yeah, no, we gotta we gotta wrap it up. So hey, man, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the lemons that Ozzy gave us and uh, and making some lemonade (laughs) with me. Sweet, sweet lemonade. (laughs) And uh, yeah, again, you know, gentle reminder to our listeners: if you enjoy, subscribe, rate, review, five stars, please. And uh, yeah, if you need, if you want to talk to us, you know what, we we love hearing from you guys. Yeah. We hear from you guys quite a bit. You know, certainly more than when we first started, and it's and it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, if you have ideas for episodes that you want to hear, pelt us with them. You know, treat them like peanuts and just throw them at us. Because <laughs> every once in a while, there's one where we all look at it and we're like, oh hell yeah, yeah, yeah we got to do that. Most of the right? time, and we're like, might, why didn't we think of that? that that's exactly it most of the time we're like wow we're stupid like why didn't we think of this (laughs) so if you have ideas for episodes or you have anything else really that you'd like to see us talk about or do um yeah get in touch uh you can reach us on instagram we are at region free gamers podcast you can talk to us on twitter uh where because of the character limit we are at region free gamer um but talk to us there talk to us on instagram and uh, we're we're very happy to hear from you guys. Yep. So uh, yeah, again, Arnie, thanks very much for joining me. Thank you, Paul. <laughs>
And thanks everyone for listening. Take care. Peace.